0: Guess what? It's Yuletide, and here we are, after a flurry of episodes, to celebrate Yule with you. Uh, this is episode 66, isn't it? 65? 64? 65. I don't know anymore. 65!
1: I actually have it this time. 65. Yeah, yeah and it was, it was like a blizzard of episodes, more than a flurry, I think. Yeah. We've never released as many episodes in such quick succession.
0: Now, are you sure about that? Because when we did Steel Town, that was also a similar situation
1: yeah it was but I, i'd have to go back and look to see when they were released but i can't imagine especially since i edited all those i can't imagine <laughs> that that we did them as quickly we now, were able to do it quicker this time because you edited a couple i edited some and then we. Uh, yeah, we
0: that did should it. help now so i think we did four episodes in one week or within the time span of one week and that is certainly a first. And here we are again within the time span of the same week recording the fifth in, in that same time period. Yeah. So, yeah, have at us. Look at you us. Yeah, you're right.
1: I, I'm looking at it now, though. this The Steel Town series kicked off on November 15th with the roundtable. And it ended, the last one was released on uh, December 19th. So it was about a month. Okay. A little bit longer, but not by much. And then we released the Yuletide um four four days later so yeah this is a very similar situation that that one that one yielded six episodes i guess this one will yield five yeah
0: that's true no in any case here we are and uh like you said we we probably are in a better situation because two of us are editing now and how happy are you that you're not editing everything alone anymore i'm so happy so happy
1: (laughs) it's a christmas miracle
0: yeah i guess you didn't see that happening. But there we are. and uh... I
1: don't want to edit any of them anymore. But, uh...
0: <laughs> no, well, uh, you won't have to edit this one, I think. <laughs> I think I have everything set up to edit it so we can get it out there soon. But yeah, Ain't it in the R's. is Yuletide, and as you can hear, it's the usual much looser format where we kind of don 't know exactly how it will play out, but of course there 's a plan but we'll we'll follow that when it makes sense and sidetrack when that makes sense but uh, it's uh, it 's pretty much two thousand and sixteen in the can. We have all the episodes, hopefully not literally in the can, but they're they 're done and <laughs> and this this ends the cycle another cycle around the sun all right uh, usually we have a topic for these Yuletides, whether it 's uh, Big Country during Christmas, Big Country at New Year's or other bands we like. And to be honest, we are kind of running out of Yuletide topics. It's not not easy to know what fits within the format of Yuletide. But one thing that we'll do this year to keep it perhaps a little shorter and sweeter than normal, but still be relevant, is to look at the new projects and releases that have come out in 2016. And I'm thinking Big Country related releases, whether it's the band The members of the band or ex-members of the band. There's actually been quite a few releases over this year. So we'll go through them quickly and uh, just sort of do a major sweep. So this is a chance for you guys out there. If you missed any of these, bring out your notebooks, take a note of them or go order them before it's too late because some of these uh, you might have missed or might not want to miss. So this is a chance to, to catch up before everybody else does. So just like uh, just like when we did the Tony Butler The Great Unknown there were five copies available on on eBay and Amazon as that episode was put out and within hours they were all gone so <laughs> <laughs> make sure you're quicker than anybody else so starting chronologically through my list the first one I have which I later found out that's actually it actually came out in 2015 but we will briefly mention it which is the fact that all lay down got its CD debut.
2: So the battle cries were heard for her, miles around good people on the hill.
0: that was part of a collection and I'm holding it in my hands it's, calling, it's called Hope in the Air classic rock by original artists so it's a charity CD released uh, in aid of the children's air ambulance and Big Country is part of this CD along with uh, Curved Air, Fish, Fairport Convention Cutting Crew, Focus John Wetton, Downspray Association, Martin Turner lots of uh, bands and artists Tom do you have this?
1: I do not actually have that.
0: Right. So if you want to have the track all laid down, this is the one time it's ever been released on CD. So if you want sort of an uncompressed version of that song, a full range, wave file, rip CD quality of that song, then you need to get this charity CD.
1: How does it sound as someone who has it? Does it sound... I mean, how does the... Because I've only listened to the song on YouTube, like most people. How does the CD version sound?
0: It is good. It is very clearly not based on an MP3 track, which is what I've always heard until I got this. It's great. Good. It's really a, the that. full thing. So it's worth having, uh, even if you're, uh, I don't know, if you might not be a super fan of that song, but uh, this is, uh, this is I it. I like it. The, yeah, wow. I, I like it a lot too. I think this is a, a great track. It, it it promises a lot for the, the lineup that released it, which... I guess, doesn't technically exist anymore since Derek has moved on, but it's still most (laughs) of of the same lineup is there. And it's kind of cool to look at the liner notes inside. You can go down the list of songs and it's taken from this album, taken from this album, taken from here and there. And for Big Country, it says unavailable on any other CD. (laughs) Mm. So that's the unique track on this collection is the Big Country one. It doesn't come from a CD, which is kind of cool in a way, but it also says, why can't they put out a CD and have songs like this on it? They're the only band who who isn't doing that. So you can look two ways at that. But anyway, technically, it came out at the very end of uh, 2015. And I don't know if it's still available, but if you want it, go look for it. And if you search, if you go to the Great Divide Facebook page and search for Hope in the Air you will find a post I made about this when the album was new, when I got it. I usually, whenever there's a new release, make a post. And if you search for that title, you can usually find that post along with links on how to order it and stuff. So that's, uh, that's one that you should uh, definitely be aware of.
1: Nice. Yeah, I got to get that.
0: Uh, and that does take us into 2016 proper. And uh, the first thing that shows up on the radar is uh, a video for a track called Coming Home by Lee Petterson. It was released on uh, the 7th of April on the Big Country YouTube and Facebook pages. So this is a track that was put out there, which contains a song. It's really a re-recording of a song that was first uh, released on Lee Patterson's CD Stella Maris in 2009. The 2016 version has Bruce and Jamie on guitars with Lee Patterson singing. The video was released as part 16 of the ongoing Watson Telly video series. So if you keep watching the Watson Tellies, you will remember that video from that series. The interesting tidbit about the music of this song is that it's actually written by Jamie Watson, with lyrics by Lee Patterson. So oh, that's
1: it, very cool! Yeah, that's it right.
0: is. It is very, very cool. So just like uh, the track "All Lay Down," which we talked about for the hope in the air city, this is the second song here that has music mostly by Jamie because it was Jamie's main theme that was the the basis of "All Lay Down," and again he wrote the music for this song. So that's uh, that's awesome. So if you if you're curious about Jamie, if you want as distilled music that springs from Jamie as possible, go check out that video.
2: Child, I did not plan for a fight Seems sometimes it will find you and it will look you in the eyes I tried to stare it down, call its bluff, but it called mine So I took to my heels, I ran, I've been running all my life I'm coming home, open up the door I'm coming home, open up the door
0: Door, I'm coming home. And I have to say, Lee Patterson's vocal, it's very close to Bruce's singing style and voice. I mm-hmm. mean, Bruce, Bruce could well have sung this and made it into a total Bruce and Jamie Watson track. But it's a cool track, and that came yeah, out it is. there. Yeah, so... I
1: remember hearing it now, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you can't purchase it. It's new music that features Bruce and Jamie. So that's that one.
3: Awesome. Uh,
0: which takes us to another thing that primarily exists on, on YouTube that I had hoped would sort of lead to a, a fuller CD release that hasn't happened yet. And that is Tony Butler's project, Dog. They released two videos on YouTube this year. The first of them, Don't Give a Damn, It's All About the Money, a title without parenthesis, uh, released on the 27th <laughs> of April, 2016. And then you have Sirens, released on the 15th of May. So over the course of really two weeks, two plus weeks, they released two music videos. things they do, which is the, the short video clip of each of the band members simply saying dog. And they put them out there and it's clearly made to, to make a buzz. Right. What, ha- what happened though was simply put, Nothing. <laughs> right. they, they came with these videos and then nothing happened there was no follow up and everybody said great two videos they, they must have something cooking and they're releasing these short snippets of themselves saying dog it's clearly a little bit of a putting themselves out there as a pre-album release but it got silent and I, I asked JF and G have you heard anything about what happened with this and he says the silence is deafening so I don't know what happens with that one Wow.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting little uh, marketing campaign to have the guy saying dog, and it did grab everyone's attention. Yeah. Because you got to jump on that when the attention is grabbed. But I, I'm sure he's going to do something if he's not. I'm sure he's probably in the process of making it now. It's just taking longer than usual, and believe me, I understand how that goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. But uh, after the flurry of activity, and then to have nothing happen, kind of strikes me as more than a bit curious. But... Uh, you know, whenever this is ready, Tony, and anyone else, just, just put it out. I'm sure we'll mention it on this podcast like we would any other project uh, that band members and associated band members are, are involved no with. No
1: doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And we're still holding out, holding out hope that uh, Tony may one day change his tune and join our show and talk about things. But, you know. Yeah. We'll oh. hold out for him if it will hold out for us. Hold out from here to Eternity. next tide, at least.
0: all that from here to eternity Um, Um, so from one ex-bass player to another on the 22nd of June Derek Forbes came with a solo album that album is called Echoes And it contains 11 songs that he composed with the Simple Minds. So songs that he feels stemmed from him, at least in part. And his aim was really to re-record them as the only musician involved in this project. So this is a true solo effort. Uh, So have you got that released, Tom?
1: I have not. I am Um. embarrassing myself, but no, (laughs) I have not.
0: I'm asking kind of knowing the answer, so I'm kind of putting you into <laughs> it. But I'm sitting with this in my hands, and one interesting thing you see from the liner notes is that it was engineered and recorded by Andrea Wright, who was involved in The Journey. Oh, the, yes. And who did a very good job on, on The Journey.
1: And, and it was she's, talked about of, of, as being involved in the remixing of Steel Town, which sadly never happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and she's working on this, and the, the album sounds great, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very bottom-end, album. You, you can hear that it comes from a bass player, but it's uh, it's not like it's a thundering bass playing over everything else. It's just got a real good bottom end.
1: I, I think say, she did a yeah, great job on the journey, so I, I feel good about her abilities.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I think so too. And she does a good job here. And it's really good to hear this, these versions of the songs. I mean, Derek obviously has a very different voice than Jim Kerr. Sings uh, perhaps with a bit more deeper oomph to it. He has much more oomph mm. in his voice than, than Jim would. And it, it punches more. It's music with a lot of punch to it. But it's really uh, you know, catchy. It retains the simple mind's feel. That's good. And I always think back to the comment he made in the in the Yuletide of uh, 3 years ago when he said he was brought back to record on simple minds album the album black and white to make it sound more like simple minds (laughs) Mm, that's right yeah that's
2: right
0: and uh you know you can you can hear why because he he definitely you can hear he was part of the simple Minds sound with this thing but it's uh, very much a Derek sound as well so i think the seed is great I, i would actually recommend it to to everybody i i was prepared to think this is a bass player making an album with a lot of bass and it's gonna sound like second-hand cover versions, but no, it's it's definitely better than that. And and we are right; makes it sound awesome.
1: Fantastic. So that's,
0: so that's a good one.
1: Good job, Derek. Yeah, I've heard good things from people about that. I, I'm not a huge fan of that era of Simple Minds, to be honest with you. And the, some of that stuff I really do like, but a lot of their early albums, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of. So that's probably my reticence for caring much about this. But uh, yeah.
0: This is definitely a much more organic album. You won't find the synth, the early Simple Minds sound on this thing. This is a very okay. guitar-based, drums, uh, a clear rock approach. Uh, but it does, uh, it, what can I say, it sounds perhaps, the, the earlier song sounds like later Simple Minds with a rockier edge to it. So it's interesting. Uh, well worth checking out in any case. And that takes me to Excellent. the next release. The next release that came out it's the excellently quality-controlled release, Big Country, Five Classic Albums, which was released on the 26th of <laughs> August. Uh, it contains, like the title says, the five first studio albums from The Crossing to No Place Like Home. It is the default track listing on each of the CDs as they first came out, so there's no bonus tracks um, it is the 12-track version of No Place Like Home, so it does include Comes a Time and You, Me and the Truth, which is uh, okay. good, good to see. Despite what I feel about You, Me and the Truth, it's it's the complete one. It's not the LP version of, of, of the track listing. Uh, the interesting thing is that the two first minutes of Kansas is missing. So you start playing the No Place <laughs> Like Home CD, you come well into the first chorus <laughs> and that's uh, it just buggles to mind how people can have such poor quality control over a release
3: can you can
1: you play that on the show just to show how it starts yeah i'm, if, I'm curious
0: if you put in the cd this is how it starts
1: I remember you made a post about that after getting it, and that yeah. just made me laugh so hard. I mean, my goodness, what is it about? And and the band, I don't think it had anything to do with it. So it's it's like,
0: what no, is it I about mean,
1: this band?
0: I told Bruce about this, and all he could say was, "Oh my god," because he he can't do anything. <laughs> they' they um, I think it's kind of sad how they don't really own the rights to this so that they can't stop it and at best yeah. they'll be asked to be involved and provide liner notes and at least try and make it a good package like they were involved on the represents remasters but not on this thing and that's uh, right. that that's what you have it's a shame because it's a it's a fairly decent package it's it's clearly not an elaborate box set but it's a nice cardboard box which houses cardboard sleeve replicas of each album and they look nice they look very nice in, in fact and the cd's also look like uh, let me pull out the crossing one yeah it's, it looks like the album label of that so it's it's good everything about that looks nice and then you put in a song and the first two minutes of the song is missing. Which is uh, insane. Nuts. But of course I have it. And the cool thing about it, if you're going to take anything away, is the the front of the box that houses these five uh, cardboard sleeves has a new drawing of... Uh, it's kind of like a steel factory. And half of the wheel is uh, like uh, the, the steel town cog wheel. And the other one... I don't even know what that's meant to represent. Almost like some laurels and and some weird lines. Anyway, hmm. if you buy it, you can amuse yourself with that package. Uh, <laughs> I, I assume you don't have it.
1: Um, let me think. Um, hold on, let me check my perfectly organized collection here. Starting with A, B. Three hours a. later. No, I don't have it. <laughs> it might be my car in a in a uh, in a generic cardboard sleeve paper sleeve i'm not sure yet no i definitely don't have it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not big on the on the you know um New
2: releases re-releases of,
1: yeah unless there's something really worthwhile on it um the compilation stuff i'm not gonna probably get and then when you made the comment about the way kansas started i just thought oh, no i'm not well, tr- supporting tr- that tr-
0: truth to be told it's at least a conversation piece because that's true. that's this, true. This is never going to be the, the version of that album I pull out and play in, in any case. But well, if you uh, collect
1: that kind of thing, yeah, I could see definitely wanting to have it, you know, being a completist, as I'm sure you are. I, I just have never have been that with, uh, with some of this stuff. I just, uh, I, if there's nothing new musically for me, I probably won't get it.
0: No, and that, that's fine. There, there is nothing new on this thing. But it's very, you know, inexpensive. It's like 10 bucks. For this thing with five that's albums, that's
1: true. That's low. That's a it, low deal. It,
0: it's uh, it's a very good deal, and it the cardboard sleeves look fantastic. It, it's a very nice, nicely put together. And if it wasn't for the start of that song missing, then um, as far as value for money, you you can afford this one.
1: Well, and <laughs> didn't they do something similar for the Pogues? Were they the band that did that? They released a little box set of of all the Pogues albums and sleeves because I did buy that, <laughs> and I've got the old. Op-
0: what I can say is that this series, five classic albums, is uh, is wide-ranging and covers a lot of artists. So I you can go to the that. Amazon yeah. site, you can go to any site. If you type in five classic albums, you'll get a lot of these compilations for like 10 bucks, a lot of bands, five albums in cardboard sleeves. I hope most of them are actually including the complete songs.
1: Complete, yes.
0: Yeah, it would be typical if Big Country is the one, the one artist that has this problem. Yeah, really. <laughs> god it would be funny if it wasn't so sad but uh, that takes us to the next one uh the next release came out on september 13th and that is the glorious greatest live hits the concert live live album uh, do you have that one tom
1: i don't have that one
0: Nah. <laughs> this is uh, obviously a compilation of previously released gigs from london o2 shepherd's bush empire and the sheffield o2 academy so it's the best of those or sort of a collection of both um put out that's
1: actually actually one i'd like to get actually
0: it's a decent collection definitely if you don't have those previous ones get it while it's there because they didn't print a lot of these i think 150 copies which seemed like an incredibly low number to me but uh, I'm sure they still have someone. You have, you have to go to the concert live website and purchase it directly. So I can see the mad dash now that I've mentioned it.
1: But I was just going to say, no, no <laughs> one. All listeners, please, moratorium on purchasing this until I have let you know that I've bought my copy. Thank but
0: you. But you have a head start. <laughs> if you <laughs> can if you can't purchase this before the episode is out, then you're a sad case. Then you don't deserve to have it.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm just really tired. I'm, I'm just <laughs> mentally tired. Yeah, did well, all these Peace in Our Time episodes and now Christmas gifts. I haven't, you know, I've got to finish with that stuff and it's just come on. I'm all done. Just wait. Just wait for me. Everyone just wait for me. I'll get it together eventually. They're all
0: wrapped up. They're all ready. They're all organized.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: Yeah, I have a, I have a nifty wife. What can I say? <laughs> uh, but the, the, another interesting thing about this uh, Greatest Live Hits CD is, is the lineup that recorded it. Because this is... Bruce and Jamie, of course, with Mark and Tony Butler and Mike Peters.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: So, uh, another one, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that they, something like this exists with, with Mike for one thing, but also with Tony. So, this is as complete as it gets without really Stuart being able to be there. And I, th- I still think it's a shame that lineup, uh, the way it ended, but also I'm very happy with what they left us, which was a great studio album and also here great live recordings.
2: Night falls on the city Like a blanket on a case, A sacrifice prepared Come on! Anger oh. lies on faces But a shadow's never shown The fear of life is
4: strong As if a Bruce
2: Watson wants the unable
0: So, so, this is one to get, definitely. But uh, where would we be without errata uh, and, uh, and cock ups? Uh, the first, the, the initial pressing left off five tracks from CD2. <laughs> if you can believe it or not. Each CD has about 10 tracks, and five of them are missing on, on CD2. <laughs> That's amazing. This has been corrected. This 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 was very initially so if you order it now that will have been fixed so you don't how have to worry about that, that
1: How does it even happen? How does that possibly happen?
0: Isn't it funny that we go down the list album after album with major cockups? It's all Big Country. It's incredible. And again, <laughs> the band has nothing to do with this. It's not their fault. They <laughs> It's, it's just coincidental because the guys who put out the five classic albums and the guys who are putting out these greatest live hits thing, it's independent of each other. There still are missing bits of songs or or ma- major tracks. It just boggles the mind. But what you still have, even though the missing tracks have been put in place now, what you still have are the glorious typos and the interesting ways of writing songs. And I know you picked up on this immediately when I posted about this on the, on the, the Facebook page. Uh, it starts on this one with thousand years. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> maybe it was, I thought maybe it was big country covering the old Kiss classic 100,000 years, and they just got that wrong.
0: Yeah, but they only got as far no as 1,000. Now you never know. <laughs> and uh, the third track, I don't know where they're driving. They're not driving to Damascus. They're driving to Demas. Dima, yeah. Dimas. Driving to Demas? Demasus, I think. Demas. Dimosas. Driving to the Masseuse, the Masseuse? Maybe that's a better I'm title. Driving to De masseuse? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that. And uh, of course you could if you don't get all the way there, you can at least drive to Steel Down. Steel down <laughs> is another title. Then you have
1: the sturm. That could be about a robotic goose.
0: <laughs> God.
1: That's been made into a weapon.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I can't be bothered looking through this. It's it's a very good, uh, the recordings are fantastic. This is well worth getting, and it's limited edition. So if you haven't got this yet, do yourself a favor, buy yourself a Christmas gift this year. Big Country, Greatest Live Hits, it's awesome.
4: Cool.
0: And again, the cover provides uh, conversation pieces. So there you go. And that brings me to the last thing I have as far as releases for 2016, which is, the album by the duo, really, that gave themselves the title ESP, and the album is called Invisible Din. That mm. is, of course, the project of Mark Berzecchi and Tony Lowe. That came out on November 11th, so it's reasonably fresh, and this is uh, Mark embracing his progressive rock roots, playing an interesting style, which has really nothing to do with big country. I think being a big country fan is not really enough to be able to get into this you need to be a bit predispositioned to uh, to i guess prog rock and to classic prog rock it's not a modern sound it's got more the, the british sounding like camel or pink floyd pre dark side that that kind of stuff mm, and uh, yeah. i won't even bother to ask you if you have this i know you <laughs> don't have it i sent i sent you the files so you could check it out no, I, and can I you did give your yeah let's let's have your unbridled opinion
1: I liked it more than I thought I would because I'm I'm not a big Prague fan, uh, generally speaking. doesn't mean I can't appreciate some of it, but but some of it I just don't get into. Um, but I, I did kind of enjoy this more than I thought I would. I, I listened to it a couple times, actually, while I was at work doing some things that didn't require huge amounts of attention. So I listened to this, and uh, it, it's interesting. As you say, though, it has nothing to do with big country's music, really. Um, you're not going to hear a lot of that... Tr- traditional mark style that you're familiar with with big country but it does give you a respect for the uh for the musicianship that's for sure there's no doubt about that great musicianship on it it's just not yeah. really my style of music
0: right yeah that that's uh that's well summarized you know obviously i listen a lot more to that than than you do and uh I think um, I, I, th- I, I think it's very interesting too. It's it's not so, an album that jumps out of you, but then a lot of prog rock really doesn't. That's one where you you delve into and you you reap rewards over time. So I played it quite a bit, and I really I really enjoy it. Even though at times I wonder, is it really Mark drumming? <laughs> it sounds so different than what I'm used to. But yeah, it it's it, but it's good, and that that's uh, versatility for you. And Mark definitely has that more than probably sing- we realize.
1: And he sings on some of that as well.
0: That's the amazing thing that Mark actually sings lead vocals on two songs on this album. Yeah. He sings lead vocals on Through the Dream and Uninvited Guest. Sounds good. Very good. Very good indeed. And I guess, you know, the first time I saw that, he actually has lead vocals. I thought, wow, look at him. And I don't know why I would be surprised, because if you think back to to Big Country, he had especially especially the White Long Face era, they had beautiful three-part harmonies. I think that those are the harmony years for me, that, that era yeah. of the band, Mark, Tony, and Stuart. And Mark would always sing this very nice and clear high harmony, the high part, Mm-hmm. Always sounding excellent. So, of course, yeah, the guy can sing. We've always heard it. He's just never taken the lead before.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, he did, he did sing lead in um, what was the band that he was fronting? Was it uh, or not fronting? But he was playing in a band. I want to. I don't think it was Procol Haram, but it could have been. But he he was on the live shows. He would sing lead for many of the songs, um, while drumming. Um, the band was Thunderclap Newman. So Thunderclap. Thunderclap Newman, if you do a YouTube search for some of their more recent live shows, and I, I think the last one of these I saw was maybe a year or so ago, you'll see uh, you'll see Mark Brzecki singing lead from behind the drum kit. So um, I, I know the name of that band. I can't think offhand of what any of their popular songs were, but I remember hearing Mark singing, and I recognized the song. So anyway, there's your nice. little bit of trivia.
0: Nice. So with that, those are the releases we have. And, you know, when I started putting this list together, I didn't realize it would be so many, but it's actually quite a few, especially given that we have no new music from the mothership, really. <laughs> but uh, they all have it involved here and there, actually. So that, that's uh, that's pretty neat. So make sure you get the ones you want. Uh, I saw that the ESP album had... Uh, Sold out, someone left a comment that it was sold out, but I'm sure that must be just a stock issue that they're waiting for new stock. But that's good, that, that's good news for, for them. You know, the best news a band can hope for that the product sells out. We, um, we also have a night towards 2017, and the big news that we know about is the skids. Bruce and Jamie will be involved like they were in 2007. Uh, the interesting thing for me and what surprised me was that they're actually releasing an album.
1: Yes, they are. The skids it ble- releasing an album it's it's amazing it's uh and the way that they're doing it is even more amazing when you consider the fact that they are actually going the crowd fundraising route yeah so I mean hopefully that's gonna hold true for for um, maybe maybe it'll work out really well and big country will take note of that but yeah Bruce has said that he's writing songs for the skids album so he and Jamie. Are, uh, I think he said he even said he was writing like twenty songs or something along those lines. I can't remember if that's completely wow. accurate, but uh, yeah, he and Jamie are going to be writing the songs, and I'm I'm assuming Jobson will be obviously helping out with that and certainly writing all the lyrics. I don't know how much involved he is with uh, with the music, but he might be contributing that, to that to some degree as well. But yeah, so we're going to get new Skids songs written by Bruce and Jamie and Richard Jobson, and that's that's exciting. And what's the what's the title of it again? They
0: is it called Burning Cities? Burning, Burning Cities.
1: That's it. They've even got a cover design for it already, which makes me feel like they've. I'm assuming it's the cover. If you go to this kid's Facebook page, it's actually really cool. Um, so it makes me feel like they they are more. They've gotten more going on with the creation of this album than you might think for having just announced it. So we'll wait and see what that happens. But uh,
0: do you know what that cover reminded me of, by the way? Ah, uh, the you, journey. Yeah, the journey has the eclipse, and here the circle has been lit on fire.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's like, yeah, that's I can definitely see that. I mean, it's different enough, but it certainly looks like it. And I wonder if uh, Bruce Watson's son designed this as well, because he designed the Journey cover. It would be interesting to find that out. Yeah. But it's cool looking. I like it. I like the title, too. So we'll see what, what that's all about. We have a lot to look forward to, I think, from them in 2017, and... um I always got the feeling that they might get back together again, even though Jobson said when the last reu- reunion happened that it was a one-off type of thing. It seemed like he was having so much fun when he was doing it that uh, I think it wasn't too long after that that he left the door slightly open for maybe coming back. So yeah, I love that they're coming back and doing not only a, a tour, but they're actually releasing and recording new music. That's fantastic. So I think, uh, I hope, and I'm sure I could speak for a lot of you guys out there, that I hope this will... Ignite something within the Big Country camp as well to to follow suit with that. I would love to hear new music from them. So we'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, definitely. You got to wonder though if you know after years of people asking for more music for Big Country, then Jobson gives a call and suddenly we're writing twenty songs and coming out with a crowd-funded album. That's that sounds <laughs> like it. Seems like way above and beyond any expectations I would have had. But I know, I know. I guess That's that amazing. means you can turn on that faucet whenever you know, the circumstance require it.
1: I guess so. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they approach writing for the skids as being, I don't want to say easier, but just...
0: Less just burdened different. by the legacy.
1: Yeah, maybe that's it, you know. And and let's face it, if, they, if they're going to take the skids back to the, the level that they were at in the beginning as far as the early albums and that style, it is a much more punkish type of approach. And not to say that writing those songs is easier, but it... It certainly wouldn't require all the nuances and layering of of something released by Big Country, right? Um, so maybe it would just be easier something they could they could get in the right mindset and churn out you know twenty twenty strong little potent skid songs. And it might be maybe it's a welcome uh, change for for Bruce and Jamie. Maybe it'll maybe it will warm them up to writing some stuff for Big Country. We'll see.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh like you said, the crowdfunding thing is is very interesting. That that tells me that this is not planned and organized by, by Bruce. <laughs> it wouldn't be <pay laughs> right. crowdfunding but it was. I'm hoping that uh you know there are learnings to take away from it because the model is simple now. You you can make it as easy as you like. Yeah. But uh we we, we covered this ground so many times. Let's just say this is one we're looking at with great interest. Definitely. All right, so that's the skids. Uh, Another thing I hope will happen in 2017 is uh, the actual release of the Dog Project. We know work has been done. We have some songs. Uh, I don't think they would go in and record those two songs and leave it, record promos of everybody saying Dog and and Bugger Off. I just think it's a timing thing. So I'm hopeful that we'll hear from Tony there with that project in 2017. Uh, And we have two more things that don't have confirmed... Release dates, but we know work happened on it, and one of those is the the Tony Butler solo project, which we haven't told about, and that is something that Tony is working on. There, there is fiddling going on. He is working on music, and we know about this because Mark Berzecchi actually visited him and laid down drum tracks, and that um, that's that's great news <laughs> to hear music with of Tony with which features Mark, but this is music with no timeline. This is just, uh, it happens in the background. It will come when it comes. we I don't know if we can even hope for that to be released in 2017. And it might never have been released. We don't know. But we know that work has been happening and something is going on. So best of luck with that. That's one I would love to hear personally.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And the final thing. I don't know if this is going to happen, but uh, Big Country did record shows in Australia. And there was talk of an Australian live album whether that ends up on a cd as a digital download or anything at all nobody knows
2: yeah
1: i don't know i mean we uh we spoke with bruce about it on the show and um he was still interested in doing it i haven't heard anything back from him um yet as far as whether it's going to happen or not but should be interesting i know that i know it was reported that simon was ill too when they recorded that so but i'm assuming he he still sang well maybe not to the extent that he wanted to at the time, but Yeah, I guess uh, I I think what I think what's happening with that is they're still waiting to get the master tapes and they're going to listen to those and see what they think. And if it's worth releasing, Um, I guess they will. But I'm sure there's a there's a market for it.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, if Concert Live can release uh, a double live set that I'm sitting here holding in my hand and. It must be a viable business for them to keep doing that. Yeah, It's all about putting so. out product and making some money on it. It's an opportunity that the band used to do quite a lot in the 90s and 2000s. There was a lot of product coming out and that stream has stopped and some of us want to reignite it. Just like the stream, the source of the river of hope. That's right. There we go. But the interesting <laughs> thing about that recording is it was done without most of the band's knowledge. Some people knew about it and others didn't know and then after the fact they listened to it and they were pleased with what they heard that it sounded better than what they would have thought of and nobody was yeah. self-conscious about it so
1: That's right. That's, and he did uh, say that they recorded like everything every instrument separately so they would have full control over the mix. Yeah. So that's that's really cool too. So we'll see. I feel like every comment that I end end with on this episode is we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs>
0: But we will see.
1: <laughs> Some I'm of sorry, us will see. everyone. Deep dive hangover <laughs> for me.
0: So, uh, with this Youth Tide, we will actually have released 12 episodes in 2016, which averages one per month. This is, of course, perfectly planned and uh, exactly what we set out to do.
1: Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised at that.
0: We have uh, had before. Um, it, it's, it's sort of an average, I think, that we we do seem to average one a month. We ha- we have had as many as fifteen back in in our youth when we were in our prime. But that mm. that is that is of course long since gone now. But yes, we um, so as we settle into sort of old man rhythm, twelve a year seems to to work out fine. And uh, the thing, the special thing about 2016 is that most of these were album related deep dive related and we didn't have too many others that weren't so we have roughly five episodes the first five were about buffalo skinners with one round table and four deep dive episodes Uh, then we had uh, the country club early days of country club with martin warner we had big country in australia we had a bruce watson q a then we had a four-part deep dive of peace in our time and here we are finally with the yuletide So when you look at topics, the fewer topics probably than uh, than what we're used to. But as far as content and minutes that we're giving out, because the episodes are longer than before. So yes, we might have had fifteen episodes in the olden days, but we actually used to be pretty steadfast at cutting them off at eighty minutes. Mm -hmm. And if we had more than eighty minutes, that was all it needed to go into the next episode. Whereas now we go for two hours two plus hours <laughs> and it, as long as it takes and then we just push it out so as far as content and minutes we probably might be delivering more than in in many years
1: i think you're right yeah we're delivering a, quite a bit of content now it's up to the listeners to decide whether you know what what percentage of that content is listen worthy <laughs>
0: but exactly, and we do have ratings for that, uh, which we'll get back to because we we have done the usual Utah thing: ask our listener for for input and rank the episodes and what do you think. And we have very diverse opinions, which is good. You know, if if everybody did like Kenny Henderson and said all the episodes are five, I swear it's not a cop out. They're all really that good. Then then <laughs> we wouldn't have a discussion. <laughs> but now I we
5: love you, Kenny.
0: <laughs> yeah, Kenny. Oh God. <laughs> uh, on one hand, if if they're all were like you, we, we could just sit and ramble like this and it would still get a five. But uh, thankfully, all the others demand more and keep us sharp, so we need to <laughs> probably do less of this and, and get going here. Uh, so, yeah, the year. It started with a round table, uh, which, uh, as you know, I'm I'm usually thrilled with, with round tables. <laughs> but uh, we... Um, we had guests that we hadn't used before in, in that context, and we had, obviously, a, a great album and a lot of diverse uh, views, and yeah. I think it's our longest episode this year, just off the top of my head. I can't think that we have a longer one, so that also spoke a bit for itself.
1: Yeah, it was it was over two and a half hours long, so yeah, that, pro- that probably was. Looks like part four of the, the Buffalo Skinners Deep Dive came close at two hours and 21 minutes. <laughs>
0: Wow. <laughs> it's yeah, the it, longest ever. The longest ever. I think you're right. I think the Yuletide, it barely beat the previous Yuletide that preceded it from 2015 with two minutes or one and a half minutes nearly. That's right. Wow. So it's barely. So yeah, lots, lots of stuff happening there.
1: Well, let me give you a, a quick... Um, Bit of stat, stattery staturization on this that episode because I I think we'll talk about it later when it comes to the rankings that you might know here might not know this fact but that was actually the most downloaded show of the year that Buffalo Skinner's Roundtable it's got as I as I look at John's podcast bean counter page right now that episode has more than six thousand downloads which yeah. uh, the closest any of the other ones came was episode 58, which had 5,400. Hmm. So that 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 show got quite a bit of downloads.
0: It did. What we can add this year is, of course, some listener feedback on each uh, episode. Because as part of my feedback form that I sent out to everybody, which uh, I think you, Tom, expressed that that was... Did you really ask so much? <laughs> I think some <laughs> listeners said. And one of the comments we got from uh, from a uh, listener, Klaus Toppert in Chile, uh, he said, did you really believe one could do this questionnaire in 30 minutes or were you having an evil chuckle when you wrote that? <laughs> 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 I didn't really intend for people to sit down and spend hours on it. It's more like, yes, these, are, these are the areas. Fill in what you have. I, all I can say is, for those who really took the time and spent uh, a lot of effort feeding back on this, I-, I appreciate that, and we both do, believe me. But, you know, it's really what Definitely. you can manage in the time that you were given, which was basically a, a short week. Uh, so some people were quick, sent back answers pretty much straight away with, uh, this is what I have, hopefully you can use it. And that's great. That's, that's a good level to be at. But then we had some other people who took the time to listen to every episode again over the week and making notes and feeding back really their analytic approach yeah we had a lot of people did that or not a lot but there were several who did that which is wow. probably more than i would have had time for personally so that's really appreciated and that's uh, that's awesome that's great and really? we have a lot of these comments to use uh as part of this Yuletide summary because it's really about what people think and that's that's what's interesting to us and I think after a year of we telling you what we think about all kinds of stuff now you guys out there can tell us and everybody else what you think about stuff which is the topics we covered so for the roundtable we had some interesting uh, comments where uh, Craig Morgan says might have been better to do this after listening to the deep dive which is a mindset, I, I guess. You, you can uh, take it as an introduction to the deep dive, or you can see it as a summary. I think for me, it was more the, the former. But uh, if you want to listen to the deep dives first, then obviously you can do that, and you can save this for after.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, like we said, we, we had a certain length for this episode, as as Peter Bassford attests to. His comment is a bit long-winded, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is. Yes, I think we, we can't deny that it, was long, perhaps, but that that that's how we roll, I think. I think short and snappy is not what we do anymore, if we ever did.
1: Well and we had what, three guests on the show as well, at least. Didn't we have three? That's we had we, three there were five of us total. So
0: Yeah, definitely. So we uh thank you very much to to Jason, to Kara and to Tim for coming on. You were stars, all of you. Yeah and that yeah. is so much to to everything. Uh we had uh Lee Waterton saying I loved hearing the thoughts, not just speak pipes, of other big country fans from around the world. Andy Inkster said, Tim Eldred is great to have on the show. So that's, uh, he has his eye on you, Tim. Klaus Tupperd <laughs> says, I really liked the roundtable episodes. This one was especially well prepared and had great guests as usual. Excellent. So people think uh, a lot of things and we'll end with, uh, I think... Jeremy from Antwerp, who said, Roundtables are a great way to summarize an album, and I think it's a good prelude to the Deep Dive, but the Deep Dive is necessary. And th- mm. that, that 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 kind of taps into a bit what I think about Roundtables. I, I always i am kind of wary that uh, once I start spilling my beans on the Roundtable, that sort of crosses over into Deep Dive. So uh, yeah, I, I think Roundtable is not the problem, but sort of a pre-discussion ahead of Deep Dive's is, uh, it means you're you have to be more reined in, and you have to kind of you just end up saving your points for the deep dive to some degree. So, so like I said, maybe we could do a roundtable on a different topic that isn't an album, like perhaps *Restless Natives*, the movie I've always seen would be a good roundtable discussion, especially to balance what I think are are more perhaps not ecstatic views of the movie. <laughs>
1: That's a good idea. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, when, when I, the round table for me was always at at least the goal of it or what I had in mind was to kind of get all of the pre song discussion out of the way, but with other people putting in their, their bits and pieces. Um, obviously they're going to talk about songs too, but, and then, and then the idea would be that we could just, you and I could just launch right into the song discussion without one long episode of setting the tone for everything. But, um, it never really quite worked out that way. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see you know, why people, certain people might like those less than others. But uh, we didn't do one for peace in our time. We just wanted to jump right into it. But that could have been an interesting one. But, anyway, cool, I, right? I personally like them. I, I, I like uh, – they're a bit unwieldy, especially when you're dealing with Skype and five people on Skype at the same time. We had some really funny moments with Jason trying to – Find a place where he could uh, communicate with us.
0: <laughs> Driving around the countryside, finding signal yeah. for his mobile.
1: <laughs> that was great.
0: I think, but he was worth the wait. Has uh, two bars of signal. I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's right. It was funny. So yeah, it's but yeah, it's for me personally. It's 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 maybe a, a selfish thing, but I just like I like hearing other people talk, and yeah. it's kind of the idea of just sitting around a table somewhere and and yammering on without it being so strictly uh strict without having such strict guidelines but not it's a looser format for
0: sure yeah and that uh that is part of the point and that might appeal to to some guys and not so much to others so i think for for peace in our time it made sense for us to set the tone because that that has a lot of very concrete fact and circumstance attached to it that uh you, you kind of need to deal with that in a more structured way but I see other things coming up that uh, might fit the table. So, you know, I, I don't think we've done our last one. I just think there, there could be one more in, in the works. Maybe, maybe next year. We, we'll see. We haven't really t- discussed next year yet, to be honest. So anything can happen. That's right. Uh, but then we have the Buffalo Skinners deep dives, the, the proper ones, all the songs. And uh, I know that you were shocked that we spent more time on this than Steel Town.
1: I was a little shocked about that. I don't know why I'm shocked about anything on anymore with, regarding this show. It's kind of, I'm it's kind of, I'm kind of shocked that I'm shocked.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's more
1: ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I was, I was still a little surprised about the Buffalo Skinner's going longer than Steel Town. But I guess there are a few more songs and uh, a couple more songs anyway. And I, I don't know. It, it lends itself to further discussion for whatever reason. But we also had a pretty extensive tour around that album that we didn't have for Steel Town, and that, that made up some of the conversation. But yeah, when you, we, it's interesting when you go back and look at our very first deep dive and how minuscule that was <laughs> compared to what we've become. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing.
0: And, and even that was such a big step up from the first one, which you did on your own. Yeah, yeah. Which today so, yeah. seems like having a cup of coffee while casually mentioning some songs by the cooler in comparison to what we do now.
1: It does, no doubt about it. Uh,
0: so, but yeah, but... Uh, the deep dives are amongst uh, the more popular things we do. So this year, certainly, we have tried to to get through some albums that uh, we had in in the pipe. And uh, we, we have some interesting comments. Most of them are, are well, mainly positive, I would say. Uh, a comment from Peter Basford, really interesting and informative deep dive. Loved the positivity, which others actually had a comment on how we were negative <laughs> at times <laughs> but uh, he said really enjoyed these while on holiday in grand canaria and that always amazed me how people or where people listen to these things
1: i know i know
0: uh, that's I,
1: I mean we just got a we just got an email yesterday that we'll talk about later from someone in the arctic circle and uh that was really cool to to get that, and then uh, Ailet uh, sextine uh, from Israel, and mm-hmm. it, it's amazing. Uh, Richard from South Africa, it's it's amazing how far the show stretches. It's Really, really, really cool.
0: Yeah, and we also have a comment from uh, from Andy Inkster, which was interesting, and he says. I can't remember exactly. I know on one of the Buffalo Skinner deep dives, I drank five cups of coffee to get through it. (laughs) (laughs) And he explains that with, I do tend to listen to them in the very early morning, say 3 to 4 a.m. Wow. So that, while some people surprise me with where they listen to it, other people surprise me with when they listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh,
1: your prime hours.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Not, Not only mine. (laughs) And Steve Coulter said, I always love this record a ton. This made me listen to it again in a new light after hearing your analysis. And I have to uh, to read Klaus Topper's comment, includes the masterful analysis of Seven Waves by Svein, which puts this above the other ones. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) we have a a last comment from Jeremy from Antwerp who says I like that you set the stage for the album, history, charts etc but what's great about the deep dives is when they get me to reassess my long held view of songs and that's what we try to do it's it's not so much do you agree with Tom, do you agree with me it's more like do we make you think of things a, a different way or perhaps bring up a point that you can go off on in your own direction Yeah. And uh, And I
1: often I often have the same thing happening to me as I'm talking about a song. Yeah. So sometimes it's like uh, I uh, when I revisit these things, because obviously we've been listening to these for for decades, most of these songs. But I've never prior to the podcast days, there was no reason necessarily to really I mean, I would reflect on the songs, but there was no reason to sit and pour through the lyrics and think, what am I going to say about these in this dissertation that I'm about to give? So doing that really has helped. Uh, help me too figure out what I take from some of these songs. Maybe understand their meaning a little bit better. And uh, yeah, so it's it's goes it works that way for us as well. I think
0: mm, right. We'll uh, add some comments about the last episode specifically of the Buffalo Skinners, where we had uh, our, an extra long moment on the Buffalo Skinners, the song. And uh, Andy Inkster said, the reasoning for the Buffalo Skinners to be on the album was outstanding. On the other side of that fence, you have Klaus Schuppert saying, I'm not a huge fan of the Buffalo Skinners, the song. And for me, too much space was given to its discussion. Almost made me fast forward. Almost. So so that's, you can, uh, again, you know, how much you like a certain song is definitely going to, Influence how interested you are in hearing about it, and yes i I, I think we must collectively say guilty as charged as far as spending spending a lot of time on one song, so um, yeah
1: well, and a lot of times too it's like uh because I remember that remember that discussion and you were especially passionate about it and it was a great great uh commentary that you had on it too but I mean I shared a lot of what you you thought, but I think it's it was the first time that we were able to really verbalize a lot of those things and those yeah. feelings. And and sometimes that lends itself to being a little bit more long winded. And so uh yeah, we understand. So no offense taken, Klaus.
0: No Klaus. We, we try and uh, we're not professionals. It just sounds like it.
1: <laughs> we are professionals. We are prof- we are professional big country podcasters. If if not us, who?
0: Isn't the definition of professional that you make a living doing it? Or at least well, a pittance?
1: Oh, I I keep forgetting that you don't get the
0: checks. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Sorry about that. Okay, yeah, we're not professionals. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) Right, we'll have a a talk after the show. Moving on from that one. uh, Episode 58 was when we had another guest on we were discussing uh, the early days of Country Club with Martin Warner. Uh, And it it was you who set this up with him. So why don't you talk about how that came about?
1: Yeah, I I love this episode. It was so much fun just to sit back and listen to Martin. And um, we've had a lot of interest in a a sequel. And from Martin himself, I've tried to get in touch with you, Martin, if you're listening. I've sent you Facebook messages um, to try to get you back on the show. So if uh, if you haven't seen them, check them out. I'll try again later as well. But... Yeah, I, John Gouvea actually was the catalyst for this because um, I, I think I was looking for Jan Bremner who headed up the country club when I became a member of the country club back in like 1990. And I thought it would be interesting to talk to her or to anyone who was a part of the, that fanzine. And I haven't been able to find her. I hope she's okay out there wherever she may, may be. Um, but John Gouveia suggested Martin because he said that he was... Um, one of the first guys to run the country club and turns out he was a, um, member of our page already and was, was a Facebook friend. So I, uh, I contacted him. He, uh, was a little hesitant at first to do it just because he wondered, what would I say? I don't want to, you know, want to make sure that everything I say is taken well, not that he was going to criticize or anything. But he quickly warmed up to the idea, and as you guys heard who listened to the show, he was just full of great, great stories, and it was so much fun to listen to. And um, I think he really enjoyed it as well because he he told me after the fact that uh, he just had a great time doing it. He he was able to play it for his kids and give them in, some insight into what he did as a young man, and uh, he really enjoyed that. and And he said that the whole experience opened up even more stories that he had about that time period that he didn't think of when he was on the show, so... Hence the idea of doing a sequel, which we which we may do. Um, so yeah, I thought that was just a a really fun episode. We love those little standalone interviews when we can set them up where we can just sit back and let somebody else talk and yeah. ask a few questions here and there. And and that was a that was a really interesting one. I think
0: it was really fun how he kept remembering stories as he was telling a story. Almost yeah, so he, he had to sort of focus on finishing the story he was telling before he could move on to the one he was just remembering. But Those moments are great, and if we can uh, be the catalyst of that and of good memories of happy times, which this was very clearly, this was happy times. And uh, and looking at the feedback we got for the year, this was definitely one of our most favorite episodes of the entire year. And uh, we'll we'll cover the rankings later. But looking at the feedback, some of it is very, very clear. Uh, Craig Morgan said, "Favorite episode of the year." Fantastic to hear first-hand stories of the band's early days. Would love more episodes like this. Uh, Felicity Cooper from Australia said, Martin was great. Would love to hear more from him. Martin, you're wanted out there. People want more. (laughs) Um, Stuart Stevens, I love Country Club magazine, and hearing these stories was fantastic. Always like to find out about stuff that was never commonly known. Uh, Alan Smith said, This episode surprised me by how entertaining it was. You could hear in Martin's voice how much happiness he had recalling some of these events, and it brought back a lot of memories for me of that time. Uh, All of these are extremely complimentary, and I hope uh, Martin takes it to heart, because all of these comments are all about him. This is his episode, and it was fantastic, and really an honor for us to host Martin and let him share the stories with everybody. That's really what this podcast is all about
1: yeah and we would love to do more episodes like that too and find more people who have some sort of uh you know part to play in big countries' past or whatever and and there are people some people I have in mind it's it's hard to find them sometimes we've uh we've managed to find some people that we never thought we would find I'm thinking of Julian Baum for example yeah so uh, we'll 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 keep on the lookout for people like this and uh hopefully we can we can find some more cool interviews down the road because it's great for us i mean i I just I like to talk to these people to find out the stories myself. So it really has nothing to do with with me caring about what you guys think. It's just all selfish, completely selfish.
0: (laughs) It's good when that can overlap with what everybody else wants. Because (laughs) uh, in in this context, we are listeners like everybody else. Definitely. Uh, That takes us to another episode, which is also very well liked, and that is Big Country in Australia, episode 59 which is one we wanted to do. Seeing just the passion of Australian fans when Big Country announced their first ever shows, can you believe it, in 2016, Mm. and uh, just the lead up to that. And uh, I think if you have been on Facebook, if you have been in Big Country fan communities... This year, you will have seen especially Andy Inkster's posts about the lead up to that shows and other fans too, like uh, Dwayne Bunny. So we asked those two guys to join us. They came on our show, talked about their experience. We had speak pipes from a lot of Australians. Most of them probably didn't even know what the Great Divide podcast is, but were sort of (laughs) scheduled into submitting something by by (laughs) Andy. So... uh, that was one really for the Australian fans and again for us just to take part or and tap into that excitement and I think that was a that that worked really well
1: I think so too yeah it was so great to talk to Andy and uh, and dwayne and uh, everyone from Australia who contributed to that show and it's great to have Andy back too he was gone for a little while and it's it's awesome to have him he's such a great presence and a, a great big country fan he's he's so much fun to to listen to and hear his thoughts and Dwayne as well Dwayne who does that great show Kaleidoscope Ears and uh, those guys were awesome they were they added so much to that to that show and uh, it was great to get their firsthand perspectives on what it meant to them to finally see the band there and even without Stewart you know it was a little bittersweet I'm sure but um, they quickly overcame that and just the uh, exuberance that they that they showed I think speaks to what big country's music still means to to so many people out there which is amazing really. When you think about it, I mean, it just still has that that incredible soul touching effect on people all these years later. Yeah. And uh, some form of it, some form of it still exists in the present, which is still having that same effect. So that's so cool. And I thought it also led well into uh, our Peace in our time discussions because Australia has, a, as we know, a, a, at least a small role to play in, in the Peace in our time saga with the videos being shot there and the fact that they didn't didn't play there. So, um, yeah, it was a good sort of pre-lead-in to, to that as well. So I, I'm personally very satisfied with those episodes all kind of being intertwined with each other, so to speak, in yeah. some way.
0: It was foreshadowing. It was. Which is something that shows sometimes do. The, the shows that know what they're doing, they, they foreshadow. And that people <laughs> leave breadcrumbs for people to, uh, to follow and see what happens. But uh, yeah, I think the enthusiasm of the people involved in this episode is really what uh, made an impression on people. And John Lewis says it all. Andy's enthusiasm is second to none. (laughs) And I I would believe that. I mean, yeah, of course it is. And any time we mention Andy on this show, our ratings go up. So we, we keep mentioning him now. And Andy himself, his own comments about this episode. It's hard to rank this one. I enjoy hearing other people talk about Big Country rather than myself. Still was a personal highlight of the year to be on the show, so for that I'm very grateful. You're too humble, Andy. What can we say? That, that was fantastic. Uh, Felicity Cooper, also from Australia. Uh, As an Aussie, I love this episode dedicated to the recent tour. So hopefully this episode will serve as a souvenir for all you guys, and uh, thank to you and everybody else who who took part in that. Definitely. The foreshadowing continues in episode sixty with the Bruce Watson Q and A. Bruce uh, himself reached out to us and said, "I want to be there for the sixtieth anniversary." So we kind of said, "Okay." And that what Bruce says is is uh, what Bruce gets. So he visited us. Thankfully, again, it's always great to have Bruce on the show, and we're grateful that he wants to even be associated with us because <laughs> we we um, we're not always sort of kind to everything they've done, which he has picked <laughs> up on. And he kept saying, "You should do an hour-long special and look away." And he kept <laughs> <laughs> silent things. I I guess at at me in that case. But he's such a great sport and. We always have fun when when he's on
1: yeah it was it was great to have him show interest in being on the show, and uh we didn't even see search him out for this one, but uh you're not going to turn Bruce Watson down that's what the show the show is all about, yeah, um you know, when I first started this thing i would i had certainly hoped that maybe the the members might be on the show at some point, but I never thought that they would be on like this and and would take such an interest in it at least Bruce does, but yeah, I mean it's always interesting and dicey from our perspective to some degree because the way that we talk about these things obviously we're going to have things that we love and things that we might might criticize so i can only imagine how weird it would be for him or for any member who's been there from from the beginning to hear people dissect their work <laughs> i mean just hear us hearing feedback on the podcast you know we hear someone say i give that episode a 2 and we're like wait what what, what did we do wrong what, what's wrong with this person so i i can only imagine someone devoting hours and how someone's going to feel about people devoting hours and hours to discussing music that you wrote and saying, I don't like this part or I love this part. So yeah, Bruce is a great sport and um, we, we try our best to remain um, unaffected as much as possible by the knowledge that Bruce is listening and other people. Um, But I mean, you know, even, even with the criticisms that we sometimes have as fans, as, as the utmost geeky nerdy fans, um, I would hope that the, the the great love and admiration that we have for the pen and the music is what really shines through. Um, obviously, we wouldn't be doing this many freaking shows if that was not there. So, yes, but Bruce Bruce's episodes are always so much fun. He always comes up with some new nugget that we hadn't heard of before. Or Sometimes he goes back to something else that he said in the past, but he adds something new to it. And some interesting Peter Wolf stories in this one, too, that I loved. More sampling from Peter Wolf, sampling mm. stories. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that led well into Peace in Our Time. So,
0: oh, definitely. And I think he mentioned that again this time because he mentioned it the, the very first time, which was more of a shock at that time. And now we, we, uh, the shock had subsided, so we could ask follow-up questions and, and get more detail on, on that. And that's yeah. uh, that's that's it's like peeking behind the curtain and seeing the wizard of us for what he really is. <laughs> <laughs> but people like uh, people always like it when Bruce is on, and we have a lot of comments. And one uh, little phrase or or thing that. Uh, you just see it across a lot of these comments, is the phrase horse's mouth, which tells you all hmm. about it. It's great to hear from the horse's mouth, and that, that, that phrase seems to be a, a well-used one. Um, an interesting comment from uh, Jeremy von Antwerp, again, which uses that. He says, I like getting news from the horse's mouth, but sometimes Bruce is either too diplomatic or he doesn't really have anything specific to say. It's always interesting to see how Bruce has a different view of the music and the band than the fans do. It's a different perspective. Hmm. So that was um, especially the second part. That yeah, of course he does. He does have a different perspective than we do. So uh, just hearing that perspective and keeping that in mind, being reminded of it really, is right. uh, is is, uh, is really uh, something that always takes me a bit by surprise. Because you you always you get so stuck in the fan perspective sometimes, and especially as we go through these podcasts, it's the only perspective we can take. Uh, and Bruce can provide that different one. Kenny Henderson said, "Can you do a Q and A with the other Bruce Watson?" <laughs> Which I think uh, <laughs> he appreciated hearing his his name brother perform uh, the sperm.
1: I was going to say, you mean the writer of the sperm?
0: <laughs> yeah. We should well, at
1: least do a deep dive of that. Of the sperm. Yeah.
0: Name the time and the place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like the way this conversation is heading. <laughs> Well, cut the sperm.
0: All right. I'll <laughs> cut it. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm almost done cutting it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> this goes as it usually does when Bruce is involved. <laughs> yeah. Alan Smith said, Anything with one of the members of the band is great. That they come to the podcast is a credit to you guys thank you for that i think uh, i think it's uh, something we shouldn't take for granted to mention the yeah, granted no- thing again just like australia don't take big country shows for granted we still don't take for granted that we'll get any guests let alone the members of the band
1: that's right that's right yeah it's great but i mean let's face it i mean i think most people would welcome the idea to to come on a show and talk about themselves and their work for, <laughs> for a while. So that's pretty cool for, for all involved.
0: They do it a lot all the time. They, they will show up at uh, radio stations, and not just the BBC, but local radio stations. We, we see clips all the time that they've popped into a studio and done something. And in the Internet age, you can easily share it. Uh, what's unique about perhaps the podcast is you you immediately get the diehard fan as the audience. Yeah. don't get the radio audience at large as your audience. And you kind of need both because you need to put yourself out there. And you won't perhaps win new fans by appearing on the Great Divide, but you will definitely reach the fans you already have. Mm-hmm. So I guess that, that is our aspect. And then you need to put yourself out there and promote your shows and you know, hopefully remind people that you're still out there uh, for the general public. So hopefully, right. you know, I'm glad there's room for both.
1: And we don't ask the typical questions, too, that they probably get all the time and get tired of answering, you know. How did you form? How did you, how did you develop the bagpipe sound? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was this like? What was that like? So at least I, I would hope that our conversations are a little more interesting.
0: <laughs> I bet it's the first time someone played a song called The Sperm for him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
2: uh.
0: On that note... Let's uh, move quickly into the piece in our time deep dive. Those are the next four episodes we did, and we all yeah, very did fresh them, as we uh, said, yeah, very fresh. Over the course of the last week, as I as I speak, episode sixty-one through sixty-four, and uh, also as I speak, uh, episode sixty-four is just out. So we didn't get any comments on that as part of the feedback we got and uh, the ranking of episodes. And uh, some of them probably didn't even have the time to listen to 62, 63, because they are also very fresh. Yeah. But but some people did.
1: Nearly eight hours of peace in our time discussion. Eight, nearly eight hours. That's unbelievable.
0: It's um, not the 12 and a half hours of the Buffalo Skinners. So I, I know you had a comment, <laughs> we need to rein it in. Well, here you go. We have reined it in. It's, <laughs> it's four hours less. <laughs> Oh, man. And then we can see if we need to rein it in further. But uh, we started with 61 with the album background, and uh, and a lot was made also out of just one song. But a lot of the King of Emotion discussion clearly included elements that uh, was more relevant for the album. So it was not, I think, just one song. It was a huge bulk of album discussion and producer discussion and band discussion and uh, really... That's time and everything that went on so i think uh, i've said this before i think 61 is one of my favorite episodes we did because we i think the analysis and the lead-up and everything that went on it was at least from uh, from my perspective uh, well researched by by both of us and presented in a way that really uh, you know can stand as a document of that time an episode you can go back to and yeah. now um I like a well-organized show, and I think that one has that, and it has a lot of interesting factoids and things you can laugh at, and and all the the insanity of those days.
1: Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I I agree. I like those shows too, and this is a, kind of a good example of different perspectives. I mean, I mean as the people who do the show, I, I really I I listen to them after the fact, as you know, just to make sure everything is good just like you do and make sure that there's no glitches. And even this time, I just kind of skimmed through them. (laughs) You caught some things that I missed. But uh, so I don't I don't really often listen to these shows after they're recorded for enjoyment or anything. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a different perspective as being the ones who put it together. So I guess I can see how others might have a differing opinion for the length of time that we might spend on certain subjects or setting things up. But yeah, like you, I i mean, it was fun to go back to that time period. And e- even with my, as I said on the shows, even with my misgivings about aspects of that album, I, th- I still think it's one of the more interesting time periods of the band. And I tend to go back to that era a lot when I listen to their music, whether it's songs from Peace Their Time or the REL demos or all that stuff. They're just, they were so prolific back then. It was amazing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the uh, we, we definitely, once again, we set out to, do the that those uh, do the album in like three episodes? We were thinking, and I don't think we th- saw that we would uh, end up with only one song discussed after the first episode. But again, why am I shocked anymore? I don't know.
0: Well, it's just how it paces out, and I mean, it would perhaps have made sense to stop after the album background and then save the King of Emotion. But as far as episode length, they all we have four episodes of roughly the same length now. Yeah. So. That's just how it pans out. And I know some people said that. Uh, Craig Morgan said, deep dives are always great. Maybe you should have done a setting the scene show and kept King of Emotion for the next episode. I think uh, to some degree, King of Emotion was part of the setting the scene because, like I said, we spent more time on that song than any other song because a lot of that discussion was really pertaining to every other song that followed. Yeah, um, And also,
1: from my perspective, it was like, that was the song I heard before hearing the album as a whole so that that song to me was part of setting the scene for peace in our time because that's what was released first before the album came out and so when i heard that i was just like "Uh uh-oh what what could be coming so i mean that I, i totally get that point but that that fit my experience with the album perfectly because we had all the lead up and then we had king of emotion and then there was no album for another whatever couple weeks or whatever and then when I listened to it for the first time, even though I listened to King of Emotion again, it was really 13 valleys that I was most interested in starting with to see how the rest of the album was going to shape up versus right. that crazy single that I had heard. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: <laughs> but we we released all these episodes so quickly after each other that does it matter where one ends and the next one begins? I mean, you had pretty much four episodes over a week. And if you could keep up with our release pace then good on you <laughs> i wouldn't expect that <laughs> yeah, for really. most of you so uh yeah where it ends and where it begins doesn't matter you have you have the whole string of shows really available to to take in as you please but uh most people uh, had waited for this one like felicity cooper said i have been waiting for the deep dive on this album and the first two have been awesome alan smith the background to the time and setting of this era made this episode set the tone for the album. Without that, I think diving into the song straight away wouldn't have done the analysis justice. And that, that's exactly what we think too. You, you need to look at the larger picture of an album and no more is that evident than it is for peace in our time. The, the larger right. picture really defines everything that follows on the album. Lee Waterton said, Great start to the deep dive. And although only one song discussed in the first episode, the depth of discussion makes the length of these things worthwhile. Uh, John Lewis says, Dave Bates, I've got your king of emotion right here, buddy. <laughs> 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 Which summarizes it really well. Um, Andy Inkster says, long awaited this piece in our time's Murgos board. Uh, Jeremy van Antwerp says, good discussions. I've been working through my somewhat complex and mixed emotions regarding this album. I'm formulating a Speak Piper Facebook page response, but I haven't quite worked out what I want to say. And I get that because. This was the album I dreaded getting into of every album. Because when one album is your least favorite, it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're kind of like, no matter what you say, it's going to be bad. Because I don't want to go into an album with the mindset to, to just bash it. And not that I would necessarily do that, but it's more fun to go into something that you can rave about how great it is. I would love for every song to be a song I rave about how great it is. And this is not that type of album. So, yeah, I had to spend a lot of time uh, working out how to approach this and what to actually say and, and how also I feel about stuff. You're, you're forcing yourself to perhaps have opinions about stuff that you perhaps have skipped for 20 years. And that's uh, not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, we gave people a choice um, what, we wanted, what they wanted us to do next on our Facebook page. And um, actually, we we even gave them a choice before the Buffalo Skinners. I think it was Buffalo Skinners, Peace in Our Time, Driving to Damascus. They chose Buffalo Skinners first. And then the last two that were left, they chose Peace in Our Time. And so we will do Driving to Damascus next, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, I I totally get that. I, I was really looking forward to doing Peace in Our Time just because, again, it's not my favorite album. But it's, I don't know, something about that period. I think there's so much to talk about and so many interesting things that were happening even beyond just going through the songs I was looking forward to that there's there's kind of a there's there's just a certain feeling about that time period with big country even though a lot of it didn't work out that well for them um there was a lot of stuff that that came from that period that I really love to think about and go back to and a lot of that REL stuff especially so yeah it was a it was an interesting series of episodes and I'm glad we did it. I'm glad it's in our rearview mirror now, and now it is in the great historical archives put together and maintained for all eternity by JF and G.
0: It will be sent into space by NASA.
1: That's right.
0: No doubt. Very Actually, phenomenal. I do
1: think about that sometimes. Like uh, I wonder what will happen if they, if those things will still be around you know, decades from now and some young person discovers big country and wants to hear about – you know wants to delve more into the band it's it's kind of cool to know that there those things might still be out there
0: <laughs> we'll be in the old people home and one day some young guy will come out and take me to task over something i said in episode 35 or whatever <laughs> because we, we've seen this uh, i mean we we got an email uh, that we're going to talk about in a minute from uh from someone in finland who uh had a comment about something i said in episode six <laughs> So <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's hard to kind of talk about that because what we say on this show is going to always be there. It's kind of cut in stone. But in reality, things are more fluid than that. And, uh, you know, we, we try to rank all the albums, we try to give opinions, but uh, things can change and you can feel different about stuff. You can discover new things or see things differently. So it's a fluid thing. And have some of my rankings changed? Yes, of course they have. But overall, they're still roughly what they was. The, the general consensus of what I said is, for the most part, still the same. But uh, that's the thing we have to live with. That's kind of like the podcaster's uh, curse is forever what you have said will be set in stone.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and yeah, I mean, it, it's, as you say, it's still changing from time to time. And I still go back to some of those deep dives thinking about where I rank songs and they, they might have changed since then. But uh, I think that's a common thing with most people's love of music and Love a big country. We often hear people say that favorite albums change um, much more often. Favorite songs change. So,
0: yeah, and especially uh, I think if we did uh, another top ten B sides thing now, which is probably the least researched thing I've gone into. Like, okay, I'll I'll put together some B sides. Yeah, I think I got them. And uh, <laughs> and as people have pointed out, uh, especially after the Buffalo Skinner's album discussion, where I had such an impassioned speech about. Uh, the Buffalo Skinner song as a B-side, and uh, hey, how come that wasn't on your top 10 B-sides? And <laughs> you know what, right. can, what, what can I say? I, I actually forgot it. But my coming into the podcast at that time kind of coincided with me coming back into big country after Stewart died. All these years, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, and being forced to put together a B-side started something so that uh that for me was fantastic and uh that's probably a fact that i didn't emphasize enough when i did those episodes but uh, there you have it so i started making this list and of course now in the years since i'm i'm back baby (laughs) i could (laughs) the list would be different now
1: with a vengeance
0: yeah probably vengeful the vengeful podcaster (laughs) so so there you have it so of course things change and of course you you remember things that you forgot the first time round. So yeah, things things are more fluid. But uh, no, I can't stand by what I've said for the most part, and uh, that's uh, I think that's the most important thing. We received uh, an email just yesterday, just last night, on the eve of the posting of the final piece in our time deep dive, and that has a certain irony. So Tom. As the maintainer and gatekeeper of the, the Great Devive email box, why don't you just tell us what this is and your reaction when you saw what this was?
1: Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, last night I, I posted um, episode 64 and I was sitting back relishing the fact that our piece in our time deep dive was done. Felt like we had done the best we could with it and that it was a good series. And then I thought oh, I'll check the I'll check the Gmail account. I don't check that all the time. I have to manually go to check it every time. I should set it up where I get notifications on this probably. But um, anyway, we we got an email from someone named Timu Oman. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I'm sure I'm not, but you should expect that by now. Anyway, Timu wrote us a really nice email. And the, the cool thing that he included in it was something that Swine and I had been looking for for a long time. And that is all of Tony Butler's commentary on the big country discography that he gave years ago. Actually, it was back in 2006, I think, um, on all of the band's albums. And he spent more time on some of them than others. But uh, for most of them, he gave track-by-track analyses of of everything that the band had done. And we really wanted to find the ones for peace in our time. And, and those had eluded us for a long, long time. And we would have loved to have had these when we were doing the Peace in Our Time deep dives because a lot of Tony's comments, as we'll mention some here, would have set some of these songs up perfectly. And in, in some ways, actually, I think Svine and I both feel pretty good that they also affirm some of our own opinions about some of the songs. But, but yeah, um, Timu says, Hi, Tom and Svine. I suppose by now you've received copies of Tony's reviews of Peace in Our Time from a number of fans. <laughs> yes, and that number is zero point zero. Um, but as I am not on Facebook, I'm not certain about that. Thus, just to make sure you have them, Tony's most interesting comments copied from the old message board are, are pasted below. And you'll find a Word document including what I believe to be all of his album comments as an attachment as well. So, yeah, boy, we really appreciate that, Timo, and it was awesome to read these. We just got them a little bit too late for the, for the deep dive discussions, but uh, that doesn't mean we can't share them with everybody. And uh, we, maybe we'll share a few of them now.
0: Yeah, and and that hence my, my comment about the irony that once we were done, we got them. And it's kind of like, oh, man, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, they, they would have been great to include in the episode. But, uh, you know, this is right on the heels of peace in our time. So we figured, what the heck, we can get into it now. It's, it's sort yeah, of, why not? Um, it can be the round off to that whole discussion. The, the the cool thing about these comments is that I don't feel we really misrepresented them. A lot of what Tony says is really what we have um, already collected from other sources, like especially they had a great time hanging out in L.A. It was good times for the band. And I think Tony has a comment, he never felt more like a rock star than he did for the recording of this album. And that's part of it for the band. That's That's part of the memories associated with this album. But even so, they they still have their misgivings about the sound, and it's very interesting to see um, how that plays in. And especially the one fragment we did get secondhand about From Here to Eternity. The the comment about the megalomaniac producer is intact, so we weren't wrong about anything. But this definitely adds more. So so we'll read it out for you now, and I'll start with uh, Tony's intro to this piece about peace in our time. This was posted on the 16th of November 2006 by the way so it's just over a decade ago. I have a real soft spot for this album. This was the first time in the history of the band that I felt like a rock star. I simply loved hanging out in LA. I made some good friends and made Barney's Beanery my home for three and a half months. Listening to this album reminded me of why I became a musician with dreams of grandeur. Not particularly the songs, but the atmosphere around it. It was a beautiful time.
1: King of emotion. I remember when we started recording this that I was not happy with what I was playing, and by the end of the day, I gave up. I was not sounding right. To remedy this, Bruce, Mark, myself, and a small entourage went to a club in the San Fernando Valley to see a band by the Old Faces keyboard player, Ian McLagan, He had this amazing bass player who had an incredible style of playing. Very cool, very slidey. Next day in the studio, I adapted some of that style, which is what you hear. Not a direct rip, but an adapted one. Cheers, whoever you were, along with several beers, you inspired me. This is the loosest the band ever sounded. The female vocals really gave our sound a new complexion that even surprised us, but very L.A.
0: 13 Valleys, its real title. 13 Valleys is as beautiful as it is miserable. We culled a section of the longest day for this tune, which originally I was dead against as I loved that song so much, but I grew to like it in the end. The way Stuart sings this is one of the reasons why I like singers singing their own lyrics. They sing it like they mean it.
1: Thousand Yard Stair This song made me feel we were exploring new territory when we first messed around with it at Stewart's house in Scotland, but it was never complete until we recorded it in LA. I'm going to say something now that will shock you. I don't think my bass playing is very good on this track. Listening back to it, I feel as though it could have been tighter and groovier. It was great to play live though.
0: From Here to Eternity. It was when we recorded this, I really thought that this album was going to be huge. This song, while we recorded it, was sounding glorious and triumphant and hopeful. What a fantastic guitar melody. But the final mix did not represent what we were hearing in the studio. More about the production and producer later, by the way. That big keyboard intro bit was not our idea, just an egomaniac producer wanting you to know that he was there too.
1: Everything I Need. This is a beautiful song, one of Stuart's best. I just wished it sounded like we, the band, played it.
0: Peace in our time. When we first put this together, we knew we had given birth to a classic anthem, the searing guitars, the strident bass line, the call to arms slash peace drums. It was the essence of the band. What we actually hear on this record is a very diluted version. For those who have heard this live, would we'll testify to that.
1: Time for leaving. I enjoyed listening to this as I did not have much recollection of it. It was not one that got a lot of airing live, but it was very much a created-in-the-studio vibe that gave the album depth of listening. Lots of experimenting went on in this. Stewart's vocal style, vocal arrangements, studio production techniques all endorsed by us, but could have sounded tougher.
0: River of Hope, a fantastic song, superbly artful lyric, brilliant live, but weak on this record. I was so unhappy with this mix, the producer and engineer had no concept of bass and and driving rhythm and movement, the essence of the song. I would dearly love to remix this one.
1: In This Place, another nice song that would have sounded great with just the band playing it.
0: I could be happy here. I love this song. I think with a more cohesive mix, this would have been a classic as well. I so get the feeling that we enjoyed recording this track.
1: My one complaint about this album is, to me now, in hindsight, that the producer tried too much to put his stamp and identity on this album. The keyboards are too prominent in places. They should never be louder than the guitars, and the attempt at a slick production watered down an otherwise powerful album. A great set of songs. I wish I took rough mixes of the tracks at the time. Then you would have heard what we heard. By the way, did I tell you I had a large time? Next, The Seer. Yeah, that's interesting. I wasn't sure how you felt about that whole time period, but the, the whole rock star thing certainly makes itself known as soon as you open up the album gatefold or the cassette or whatever and, and see that picture of the band. But uh,
0: It must have felt like things were finally happening for them. It, it must have felt like they were on the cusp.
1: I think, I think so too. Uh,
0: I think with that feeling of that time, of money being put into a production, Even if they had misgivings, I'm sure they were kind of swayed at, okay, you know, this this feels like for the first time like we're taking off. So they decided to be good boys, and Tony kind of definitely falls into that. Although, as we know, they did end up having a lot of misgivings about the actual result. And uh, I guess the fact that it didn't happen could be part of that disappointment. Who knows if if, uh, they would have suppressed those misgivings if the album had been a mega hit. And that's always an interesting discussion. Do you suppress it? Is it worth it? And that's uh, something we can't answer.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. So yeah, rough mixes. I wish we all had those rough mixes. Let this be a note to all bands out there who are making albums in this way, if that even happens anymore. But um, keep your rough mixes. You never know what's going to happen to the final version. And if you become a huge band with people making podcasts about you, There will definitely be a market for those rough mixes.
0: You know, someone's bound to have something. Someone's got them somewhere. It's just man, who knows
1: how you would ever find them.
0: Yeah, or maybe this is a case of Peter Wolf controlling things so much that he would only let out things he put this seal of approval on.
1: Could be. And, you know, it could also go back to what Stuart said that, that kind of bewildered us so much when he talks about the band playing live in the studio and how it was a very live album. Yeah. When I read some of Tony's comments here saying that the final thing wasn't what we heard in the studio, it it could lend um, credence to the idea that maybe they did play a lot more stuff live and then just wasn't used or it was replaced, you know, after the fact. So who knows?
0: Yeah, I, it um, it doesn't sound like a live in the studio album. So, what they did is mm-hmm. one thing, but no one can tell me it sounds like a very live album.
1: Damn it, now I'm going to be thinking about Rough Mixes of piece in Our Time, as well as this friggin' Sear <laughs> Robin Miller mix that we never seem to be able to get movement on. But. <laughs> uh,
0: well, hopefully you can wake up with the cold sweats about this one too. I guess I will. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Timu, for for sending that to us. I mean, yeah, we yeah we got a little bit late, but it's not your fault, obviously. We just appreciate you sending it because no one else did. But um, while we're while we're talking about Timu, let me just read a couple of things that he said in this email because it was it was a very touching email, and he also took us to task on a couple of things. But um, th- this was this just really touched me, and I mean this this is like. Really makes me personally, and I'm I'm sure you too, feel good about the amount of work that we put into these things and when they're appreciated. But he says, this gives me a good opportunity to say heartfelt thanks for all the wonderful work you've done over the years. It is very much appreciated indeed. I've listened to the podcast for the past four or five years now, and I've enjoyed it greatly. I've listened several episodes at least a couple of times. Last winter, I had a nasty case of influenza. I was pretty sick for quite a while, and for several days, it affected my eyes so they became very sensitive to light. I couldn't read or stare at the TV or the computer screen, and because my head weighed a ton, listening to, listening to music had its limits as well. Pretty much all I could do was lie down in the darkness and feel miserable. However, listening to your podcast wasn't so heavy on the head, so hours and hours of The Great Divide brought much-needed relief to those literally dark days. Thank you. That just That's great. I mean, couldn't ask for more than that. That's so... I can even forgive him for what he says later after that when he says, um, Tom is more often wrong than Spine."
0: <laughs> hey, we, we Nordic people have to stick together.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and he's the guy from the Arctic Circle in Finland. So how cool.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you realize this, but you've been doing a podcast with someone else from the Arctic Circle for four and a half years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have, haven't I?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I didn't. I didn't consider that.
4: Wow. I, I
0: don't live anywhere near it now. I, we moved south, but uh, that's where I came from.
4: Okay. I, okay. I come from,
0: I come from a quite a bit more up north. But yeah, it's it's great to hear, especially from other Nordic fans. And uh, like we said, um, again, for the activities they did in 1988, they actually went twice to Finland in the course that's of right. one month. They went before and after the Australian trip to, to record videos. Yep. So uh, hopefully you got to see them twice then. Well, he
1: mentions that in his email. He says he he um he mentions the Provenzue Rock show that many of us have on bootleg, and he said uh, his brother recorded that for him on the radio, and he used to play it a nice. lot at the time. So he didn't. I don't think he saw the band then, but um, he was at least able to hear them on the radio and on that on that performance.
3: Nice. hi this is alan smith expat scott living in anaheim california wishing everyone out there in great divide and big country land all the best for the holidays and a happy deep dive filled new year and a special thanks to tom and Svine for all the work they're doing and the hours they spend on the podcast stay alive and have at you hello this is kenny henderson from glasgow scotland I'd like to say a big have at you to everyone out there in Great Divide Land, to all the listeners and especially to our hosts, who've done a great job again this year on the podcast. I'd also like to wish everyone a happy and peaceful Christmas and a great 2017.
6: Hi, this is Klaus from Chile. Les muy Feliz Navidad a todos los fanáticos de Big Country. Frohe Weihnachten, Merry Christmas, stay alive. Merry Christmas all Big Country fans from Dog in Edinburgh. May you all have a cool Yule and may Santa come and fill all of your stockings. And a special Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to Thomas Vine and all the other contributors to the podcast. And a big hey for CJ. Bye.
2: Hey, Thomas Vine, it's Mark from South East England. Just wishing you both a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And to thank you for your prolific output of late. Um... <laughs> Much appreciated. Really enjoy them. And also wishing a very Merry Christmas to all the fellow Big Country fans. Stay love.
3: Hey, Tom's Fine John. It's Paul Barker in Sunny Birmingham, UK here, saying Happy Christmas to you guys, and thanks for a fantastic year. Wonderful and quite a bit of weird too in 2016 podcasts. Don't bust a gut trying to surpass yourself next year. Uh, rescue Mission, consignment on its way, Tom and John. New York Dolls, you know, Nelly the Elephant, packed her trunk and said goodbye to circus. Off she went with a trumpety, trump, 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 trump. So I'm expecting some musical eulogies around um, their sort of salvation um, coming your way next year. Uh, but thanks again for a great year. And, um, you know, you're doing a great job. And uh, we love you to bits. And the fan community is just so for you and uh, we look forward to great adventures together next year so have yourselves a great christmas and bye for now
1: hey john lewis from sacramento california here wishing everyone in the extended big country family a happy holidays and peace and joy in the new year
4: hello
0: everyone This is Craig Clark from the Seattle, Washington area of the Pacific Northwest, and I can tell you that I feel the winter too. Thanks, uh, Spine and Tom, for the effort you put in this past year for some really great podcasts. Thoroughly enjoyed listening to them and looking forward to all the
6: great
2: things you have in store for 2017. So happy holidays and Merry New Year to everyone out there in the Great Divide podcast world.
6: Good evening, good boys. John Wilbur in uh, southern New England doing my bit to pad out the uh, Yuletide episode to over three hours. Uh, Sitting here listening to Prokofiev being played by Big Country, thinking about the Peace Concert, Peace in Our Time, the late Greg Lake, and all that other good stuff. Um, Anyway, no big message, just uh, holiday greetings to everybody, including uh, Mark... Bruce, Jamie, Scott, and Simon, and everybody else in uh, the big country, and uh, let's see if we can get this right here, uh, there's Merry Christmas, Frohe Weihnachten, Joyeux Noël, Goet Yule, Feliz Navidad, Happy New Year, Happy Hogswatch, and uh, anything else that we can think of, just a little bit, and... Uh, Looking forward to the uh, to what goes on in the next year. Let's uh, hope for the best.
7: Merry Christmas, everyone. Have at you, Tom and Svine, and season's greetings to the Great Divide Podcast. This is Steve Coulter from the west coast of the United States in Long Beach, California. Thank you very much for the opportunity to participate in the Yuletide episode. I just finished episode 63, and it's been a great year. I discovered your show this year, starting with the Buffalo Skinners Deep Dive, and then for me, moving backwards to listen to all that I had missed for the past four and a half years. I really can't thank you two guys enough for what you've accomplished with this podcast. Your deep dives have really helped me realize many additional meanings to the songs, putting them in context of things I wasn't aware of before in many cases. Interviews with the band, especially Bruce, and others connected with Big Country over the years have meant so much to me. I record this message on the eve of a 15th anniversary we would all like to forget, and it's put me in a reflective mood for sure. For many years, I think I've kept my emotions in check with regard to Big Country, perhaps not wanting to get close again. But that started to change in 2013 when I saw him on the U.S. tour and got to see him with some friends who'd never seen him before, and then with the discovery of this podcast and jumping back in on the deep end it's it just it it's really special i really appreciate all that the great divide community has contributed to the podcast with the speak pipes and guest appearances as well as the facebook page with a special mess mess uh, mention to jf and g all the stuff that he brings to the table with information and everything is just amazing It really feels like a family out there that I didn't know I had. and Even though it's been a short time for me, I'm really happy to be a part of it. And thank you to everyone for making me feel welcome. So Merry Christmas to everyone out there and looking forward to more great episodes in 2017. Stay alive.
0: That wraps up pretty much the year of podcasts for us. We obviously are doing the Yuletide now. One thing that always strikes me is we we ask people for feedbacks and we never really get feedback about the Yuletide because that's when we summarize and it's never part of the next year. So (laughs) we have to rely on the Facebook group and other outlets for that. So hopefully these things work in terms of being a lighter show and more sort of just having fun in in the Christmas season.
1: Yeah, definitely. And as you know, I usually have to be well, it's I've gotten better with these over the years, but I, I didn't necessarily love the idea at first, even though I did like a Christmas episode idea, but I was afraid that us talking about ourselves for two hours could seem I don't know off-putting <laughs> but but damn it, we've earned the right to do that by now.
0: By now it's an established thing, and you know people can skip it. I have no problem if they want to skip an episode and as, as we'll hear for the ranking some episodes were skipped here and there by by some people even though most people listen to everything we do which is also nice
4: definitely
0: so are you ready to see where people ranked the shows of 2016 I am ready ready and perhaps even willing we shall see sort of see where this leaves us Uh, I asked people to rank the episodes from 1 through 5 using a more revised scale I mean some years ago I also asked them to rate things 1 through 5, where 3 was the average and 4 was okay and 5 was good, and 2 and 1 were degrees of bad. And that wasn't a very nuanced scale, so this year the average is actually 2, which led led to a bit more nuance in how people rated things. Uh, If someone rates an episode number 1, that's not our best, where we're usually sharper or the topic is of lesser interest. If you rate a 2, then it's average slash okay. Not really bad, just not especially good either. For 3, then it's quite decent and reasonably interesting. Perhaps not spot on, but still good. 4 is very good. Solid, entertaining, enjoyable, just not an absolute favorite. And 5 is a great episode, fantastic, love it. So with that scale in mind, I asked people to rate them 1 through 5, and this is what we got. Um, 16 people voted back, so I guess that that has to be representative enough, and it actually is. And uh, even though most of the scale was used, we didn't get any ones for which I am grateful, but we did get twos, oh. and uh, and all the way up to five. Not a whole lot of twos, but there oh. was there were there were two no there was one two, and the rest is a mixture of three, four, five. But even so, the average was never below 4. So, with 11 episodes available to vote for, since uh, 64 wasn't out yet, number 11, the lowest rated episode, we kind of touched on this already, it's the roundtable one, with an average of 4 and a spread of 3 to 5, which you can probably imagine how that works out to to reach that average. Uh, It's not too bad. To have our lowest one, rate 4, is something um, i I got to be pleased with, and I'm sure you are too. And going up, most of the Buffalo Skinners uh, episodes followed next. Number six, number 55, which is the Long Way Home to Ships one, the second part, at number 10 with 4.25, which is already a big jump. And 4.31 at ninth place is the next one, episode 56, with All Go Together to Pink Marshmallow Moon. Uh, that takes us to number eight, which surprisingly, you know, in the middle of the Buffalo Skinner's Deep Dive comes the Australian episode, which uh, a lot of people loved. And there were a couple who weren't interested. And that actually also was an episode that not everybody had listened to yet. Mm. So I guess that depends on how relevant it is for you. But those who did listen really liked it. And it ended up with 4.35, okay. at number eight, which uh, leads us to... The first Buffalo Skinner deep dive, alone to the one I love, at number seven with 4.37. Moving up to number five, we have the last Buffalo Skinners deep dive, the Chester's Farm, the Buffalo Skinner's song, and uh, and album. That was the best liked of those with 4.43, and on the same level was the first piece in our time deep dive number 61 with the album background and king of emotions so the least liked piece in our time has the exact same score as the best liked buffalo skinners and i definitely didn't see that coming
1: <laughs> yeah definitely That that's surprising
3: that is surprising I, I,
1: think a, I think a lot of people even though they they talk about how much you know they dislike the album or dislike the direction i guess is more is the more appropriate way to put it that the band took on this album i, I get the feeling too that a lot of people were really just for some reason interested in talking and hearing about this time period even though it's not their favorite one i don't know what that says but uh, it's, it's it's an interesting time and i guess that reflects in the in the interest that we've had in talking about this album
0: yeah i i have to say that the activity on the facebook page has probably never been higher yeah. uh, associated with anything we've done on the podcast
1: it really has yeah it really has it a lot it brought out even from the very beginning it brought out so many uh so many comments from people,
0: yeah yeah I
1: mean, I think it's just a really it was an emotional time for a lot of people because many people were you know that <laughs> that upset i guess about what where the band was going and there's certainly plenty of people who love this album there are people who say that it's their favorite album, so that they, they were there as represented as well but um Certainly, uh, if you if you poll the fans, they would point to that album. The majority would as as being the place where they thought the band lost the plot. And I guess for a band that's as beloved as Big Country, that's that happening is a little bit more of a shock to the senses than it might be for some other band that you don't care nearly enough ab- about.
0: Yeah, that's true. So I guess it's uh, therapeutic for a lot of people, and uh, it certainly has been for me. Like I I said it. I I dreaded a bit going into this. I didn't really want to discuss Peace in Our Time as the next album. I wanted to put it off as long as I possibly could. Probably <laughs> yeah. the same way you feel about driving to Damascus.
1: Yeah, that's about right.
0: But, but getting to it was good in a sense that it forced me to face certain things about the album and uh, perhaps uh, appreciate some of them higher than I thought I would whilst confirming on another level that other moments definitely deserve... The disdain I've had for it over the years. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. that's 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 well worth it. And you know, thank you for the feedback. It's great, great feedback. And uh, all these rankings are good. And as you can hear, it's very close at this point. So uh, it's very nice. R- place four and three are the next two deep dives in the, the piece in our time. Uh, they just follow. Now it it needs to be said that the number of people who had actually heard and fed back on this dropped a bit. So we did get everybody commenting on the first piece in our time and rating it. 16 people. That drops to 11 people for episode 2 and 8 people for episode 3. So obviously, with less statistic representation, it's perhaps not a fair comparison. But they did score 4.54 and 4.62 in uh, comparison. So it's it leaps upwards. And that leaves us with the last two. And guess what? They were ranked even So we have a tie for the most popular episode of two thousand sixteen, and everybody who knows or has paid attention will know that that's the Country Club episode with Martin Warner and Bruce Watson Q and (laughs) A.
1: Right, that's great. I think that's no surprise, really. Worthy choices, obviously. Yeah, that's it's obvious.
0: Very good choices. And we already covered some of the the comments from people. Um, what we have not talked about, which is a bit independent of this, are people's favorite moments of 2016. And this is always something that you never know how well liked anything is going to be, and uh, <laughs> and how you know what people appreciate. And usually, it might be the oddest thing slipping by that you didn't, you never planned for it, and it it ended up in an episode. and it, ended up being a cherished moment or something i don't know so um, the first time we did this we picked them but ever since then we let the listeners pick them and i think that's so much better so uh, one thing i I didn't really have time for because i got so much input i'm sitting here with a 13 page word document which contains every feedback and every line and every comment so ranking all of these uh, i don't know if i'm going to do that this year It, it would be so close it would almost be subjective as to what's on what number but I can easily go through the year and pick out the highlights and I guess that's just as well as as anything and uh, so we'll do it episodic by this year so what was the favorite moment in each episode and for episode 53 the episode or the moment that people remember from there is a Tom moment and it's a very very good Tom moment and I'll let uh, Andy Inkster introduce it this way. Tom Counting the Karate Barks on the Buffalo Skinners. I'm the king (laughs) of the nerds. (laughs) And again, Klaus Toppert said the same thing. Tom Counting Karate Barks, like, alone has one chia. (laughs) And stuff like that. And and also Tim said it. Tom counts up all the Stuart noises and thinks we can't see the point of his quiz. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, people noted that. And I have to say that was incredible i was (laughs) i was shocked and stunned and not surprised and uh, well i've been
1: doing that for years although that that was the first time i ever actually counted them but uh, but i do count them in some kind of more abstract way at least i had been when they were releasing albums so (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and uh, that was actually one of the few times you have brought a statistic onto the show
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's very true
0: nice uh, okay, so that's 53. Uh, moving on to episode 54, the the first uh, Buffalo Skinners deep dive. I think um, we have a couple of things. Like uh, Klaus says, swine dissecting seven waves. I'm still in awe. That's nice. He was the only one who said that, so it's, I don't think it's a top moment, but I'll mention it. Uh,
3: uh, that
0: was
1: that was good. That was very good.
0: I think we did a good job on a lot of songs. It's It's hard to see what makes one stand out to someone but if it's a song you really like and you hear something you didn't think of then that that's all it takes and i think we both had those yeah uh, people really like the deep dives that's the overriding comment like a lot of comments are like i love the deep dive on some great songs like alone and so you'll have a lot of comments like that so uh and then you have on the other hand uh john lewis saying thomas blowing up a balloon at the end so there you go for all our analysis the balloon in the outtakes Yes, uh, <laughs> I guess it's because it's so unique. Uh, I forgot I, about that. I Totally <laughs> forgot about that. In fact, when you said it, I was thinking
1: like, what? What does that? Does that mean I'm long-winded? But then, yeah, you're right. I did blow up a balloon, didn't I? <laughs> I
0: forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> what ends up in the outtakes is usually dictated by by who edits the episode. So, yeah, that's
1: that's usually true.
0: Yeah. So the balloon that means it was probably edited by me. But uh, <laughs> and then you had John Lewis saying the One I love leading swine to religion hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> sound bites are always effective. Uh, on episode 55, Alan Smith said, One uh, special moment was your shockingly low ranking of ships. I want a deep dive on the deep dive to explain that one, <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. Uh, I tried to explain it, I guess. Uh, you can explain it the way and people will still be stuck with the actual ranking. It's On such a good album, it, uh, it's not a bad song. It just ends up where it ends up. What can I say? Sorry, yeah. Alan. Uh, moving on to 56. We have um, uh, Steve Coulter pointed out uh, your sort of rambling to try to describe uh, or in reference to All Go Together said It comes in it breaks in, grabs you by the scruff of the neck, smashes your head against the table, eats the food in front of you, picks you up, throws you out your own window, and leaves. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which is the second time you've used that on the show, so yeah. You... Yeah, that was a little, that was a little uh, a little twist to it, but yeah similar, yeah, similar, thing. Next time it will be even more massive. <laughs> the first time you used it was for uh, Home of the Brave. Oh, last ship, last ship sailed. Oh, oh, Home of the Brave. Home of yeah, the Brave. Yeah. yeah, that's where you used it the first time. So, I don't
1: know if there are any songs left I could use that on, to be honest with you.
0: On Driving to Damascus? Nothing that to, punches mean, in and kicks your door open and...
1: Some yeah. good tunes, but I don't think anything like that. I'll have to think about it when we get there.
0: I'm sure you'll use it on Bella. <laughs> Moving on quickly. Uh, we have episode 57, which is the final Buffalo Skinner Deep Dive. And here we have one that many people uh, pointed out. This, this has a Quite a lot of them. And I'll let Felicity Cooper lead it off with Swine's rant and fist-pounding about Buffalo Skinners not being included on the album. (laughs) And Andy Engster follows up Swine's table-pounding as he laments Buffalo Skinners languishing on a fucking B-side up. Come on, Andy. This is a family show. (laughs) And Kenny Henderson says pretty much the same thing. Swine's mega-rant about the Buffalo Skinner song. Uh, Bleep, B-side. Banks, Desk. Okay, it's a, and, it's and we have a family show. Uh, yeah, so we have, yeah, a couple mentioned. I agree. That, that was that was a great moment. <laughs> I, I I laughed
1: you know, when you did that. I was like, whoa, he's patting the table. That's great.
0: <laughs> I didn't remember that I did, but there you go. That was nice. And then you have another take on that whole thing from Tim Eldred, a 90-minute dissertation on one freaking song. (laughs) Now, to be honest, I don't know if it was 90 minutes on one song. I think you spent 30 minutes teaching us all about Indian culture. And then we had... If anyone was left. (laughs) And then we had probably 15, 20 minutes from me. So that's 50 minutes yeah that was
1: that was long.
0: It was, was only great. 50, damn it. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: On a yeah.
0: B-side. Yeah, but it's a worthy B-side. But uh that takes us to an episode which had a lot of people mentioning highlights, which was number 58 Country Club with Martin Warner. Uh, yeah. So many comments And it's uh, It's really different things But it's all really About the same thing This this was an episode That engaged people A lot of people Had good things to say And it's our joint uh, Sort of most popular one Makes total sense uh, And some had it As their clear favorite Like Craig Morgan says Favorite episode of the year Fantastic to hear First hand stories Of the band's early days Would love more episodes Like this Yeah uh, and Felicity Cooper says especially, it was nice to hear Martin's story about talking to Steve Lillywhite about the band and how good they were and comparing them to you too. And uh, Stuart Stevens follows up with uh, the stories about Country Club are great, but I particularly enjoyed when he to- was talking with Steve Lillywhite about being the first person to hear the 12 inch of Fields of Fire. Yeah, that so was that, a great
1: story, wasn't it? Mm.
0: That was a fantastic story. And Stuart Stevens follows up with another one, Martin's conversation with Steve Lillewite about Steve's admiration of Bruce's guitar playing ability. I always felt Bruce was the bridesmaid in the band. Mm. But that was cool, that how he uh, highlighted Bruce and his ability. Because Stuart was the guy that the other guys, to a larger degree, for better or worse, kind of had to live in the shadow of. There's yeah, no, no doubt about no, it. There's no denying that. And he was the star. He he came out of skids, and that's how it started. But I just think, as the main songwriter, as the frontman, as the singer, it's very natural. It happens in any band.
1: Yeah, and when you're called Scotland's Jimi Hendrix by a, <laughs> by John Peel, you know it's it's going to be tough to be the second guitar player in that in that duo. But uh, yeah, the one thing about the current situation of the band is that Bruce's amazing playing is is at the forefront. You just see how, how good he is.
0: Yeah, and it sounds so. like Big Gunter when he plays. It, it, you just realize sometimes people are a larger part of things than you probably thought about, but yeah. maybe realized all the time but didn't think about. You have some other tidbits as part of this thing. Kenny Henderson's favorite moment of the year is actually Sven admitting he joined the Manowar fan club. <laughs> that was great <laughs> complete with a sound clip too I didn't <laughs> for you. nice of you to put, find one
1: I put that in there yeah what uh, was the sound clip for that I can't remember it was Guns funny it made me laugh oh yeah 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 Yeah.
0: <laughs> which is a good track huh? I like Man of War so, but uh, their fan club was a sham I should have definitely joined country club instead but there you I go like
1: the, yeah I like the the when I ask you if if you're Country, if your fanzine came with Man War stench,
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that came with very little. was a disappointment. Um, yeah, so many stories we, we can't spend tons of time, but Steve Coulter mentions the Martin's. can't spend tons of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just a little bit. We can't. People have things they need to go <sighs> on to and do. Martin's story about. Thinking tracks of my tear was written by Stewart, and Stewart's reaction to that assumption—another great story.
1: Oh, that was great! Yeah. And uh,
0: several great. people mentioned Martin's story about the hotel prank. That's got plenty of mentions. Yep. And uh, just the fact that people listening to Martin who lived the ultimate fan's dream, and Craig, like Craig Clark says, lived vicariously through his stories. I mm. think we all did. So that sums it up nicely. So Very thank you nice. again, Martin, if you're if you're still with us after Tom's long-windedness.
4: <laughs> uh, yes, okay. that's great.
0: Next year, I'll give you all of these to read out. 59, Big Country in Australia. We have quite a few on there, too. And uh, for the most part, a lot of them are about... I'll, I'll just summarize all of them with people love hearing stories from afar about what Big Country means... And uh, the sheer joy in the voices of people—they got the chance to see them—and also, like Lee Waterton says, it made me nostalgic for the first time I saw big country. So you hear in others, in others, you recognize yourself a bit, and that was nice. So, and Andy Inkster says that you guys dedicated an episode to the Aussie tour it was very special for the Aussie fans. So on behalf of those, he can't thank us enough for that. And oh, that's, nice. that's awesome. All—all all we can say in the words of Stuart, This one is yours belongs to the Australian people and hope that our episode can can become part of, of the Australian big country lore
1: yes, but this episode is dedicated to the people of Liechtenstein
0: <laughs> I wonder if they have a fan in Liechtenstein <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do should, uh, they'll let us know maybe, hopefully
0: big country should just book a show there and find out how many shows up <laughs> that's one way to find out, it's too close to many other places so they probably would fill it anyway um, yeah, we uh, move on to Bruce, I think uh, Bruce Watson Q&A also had many nice ones one from Felicity which is something I mentioned before Bruce's little look away digs when he says, I think you should do an hour long show and look away, and several people picked up on his little digs to us and <laughs> nobody picked up on it more than me at the time, I, I thought it was <laughs> awesome that's, uh, what a good sport I really gotta give it to him Bruce' talking about the harmonies on the Red Fox. This is uh, Stuart Stevens, by the way. Uh, us guitar playing fans have been struggling for years to work out how the hell to play some of these songs together. So that's, uh, that's also a nugget. A lot of people again, the word "horse's mouth" come out. but uh, there are two things worth mentioning. One which is uh, "The Scorpius." Oh yeah. A lot of people mention the Scorpius," and I want to mention especially Oliver Hunter printed out a picture of uh, assumedly a Ascorpius uh, labeled it S- the Ascorpius brought it to a big country <laughs> gig and had Bruce Watson sign it that's so great
1: <laughs> that was fantastic
0: that was so funny uh, I, I don't know how Bruce felt about the other thing though because he also printed out a single sheet or an album cover or something from the other Bruce <laughs> Watson with uh, the Sailor's Tale or whatever it was and had him sign uh... that too <laughs> you're right nutter <laughs> so that that one is mentioned and also the other Bruce Watson many people mention that Kenny Henderson says one of my highlights was the other Bruce Watson and our Bruce's reaction to the song titles <laughs> that's okay that was great and Tim says hearing a snippet of the sperm made me want to hear the real Bruce Watson cover it <laughs> <laughs> so you never know maybe that could fit in the skids
4: uh,
0: <laughs> I'm sure oh, no. I'm sure that can be delivered by Jobo in Unmistakable style. <laughs> oh, oh well. My. So the piece in our time once, uh, we have some there too, which uh, Kenny Henderson is quick to point out for the first one Tom's pronunciation of bros. <laughs> uh, Klaus Tappert says, swine's line of pissing on peace in our time from 2016 is like shooting fish in a barrel (laughs) and some people pointed that out on the facebook page too and i didn't mean to be really funny about it it's the point is from from today's standards it sounds really dated but you need to set yourself back in that mindset that's really what i meant but i can hear that it might come across with the usual nordic coarseness (laughs)
4: um
0: yeah 62 a lot of people, for some reason, liked they they call it a rant i I never thought of it as a rant, but what I said about uh, sampling of guitar strings and the whole live thing and the whole that whole thing is oh no that 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 was uh no it was thirteen Ballets. yeah, it that was, was thirteen ballets, yeah, you said broken heart.
1: I know, I just, I, after I said it,
0: I was like, Whoa, what? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> okay, now it's the broken heart rant, which Lee Waterton says, he didn't call it 13 Valleys either. But uh, Swine's 13 Valleys rant, brilliant with a big fat capital B, one of the funniest moments of the whole episode, and maybe my favorite <laughs> moment so far, I didn't think twice <laughs> about it. Uh, Andy Inkster points out the opening to 62 and calls it out a fan classic again Andy. this is a family show come on
1: <laughs> i'm but glad somebody noticed somebody mentioned that that was very funny
0: yeah i would have been disappointed if no one mentioned it that was a montage that uh i will take the blame for <laughs> and putting together with our now dear uh robot lady <laughs> and us freaking out over episode one with dave bates and and king of emotion there you go yeah, that was great <laughs> it works Felicity Cooper said something that actually I think is very funny, and that is after that opening, Dave Bates gets his there after all of 61, and then after that, it takes a minute, and Felicity Cooper said, Tom taking a swipe at Dave Bates two minutes into the podcast. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's when we discussed the uh, the title of the song, and he said, I'm sure Dave Bates wanted to call it Broken Heart. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, let's face it, you know it had to be him. Uh, you could be right. You could be right. Especially based on the clip from Stewart, where he says the next single will, right. will either be called Broken Heart or Thirteen Valleys. So they're having There's that discussion about after this. the album is recorded. So you know Peter Wolf wasn't involved. The song was right. already in the can. They were discussing the title. He didn't give a shit. No, he got the sounds he <laughs> wanted. Call it what the heck you like. <laughs> in 63... John Lewis points out something that I also thought was well done, uh, where Tom managed to, in the span of a few minutes, play snippets of Take This Job and Shove It, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime and 16 Tons? (laughs) Nice. But it was a very nice, uh, well put together. I never thought of it that way. So, yeah, I can learn something even from listening to you. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Anything is possible.
0: It is. I'll admit it on the Yuletide. (laughs) <laughs> but that's uh, that's pretty much it, and uh, so I don't know where this leaves us in terms of favorite moment. Again, it's impossible really to summarize with so many comments, and I read about less than half of them. But I, I tried to pick the ones where there were several mentions. So, thank you for all of these. Uh, I hope you've had fun with these episodes. We usually have fun when we at least record them, and then we swear a, a lot more, I suspect, during editing yes <laughs> that's the bitch of this thing the, the editing process
1: yeah especially the deep dives they are a big pain
0: it's a lot of work but if we uh, want to be
1: good which we do yeah so that's you know, the thing you, you can, can do like some of these other shows and from the KISS world especially
0: <laughs> they just oh, man. Sit around and, hack and slash
1: uh, yeah yeah they cover an al- entire album in one sitting <laughs> one 60 minute sitting
0: not even the entire
1: album. Maybe that says more about Kiss than it does about the show. I don't know.
0: No, but you mentioned an example to me. Like, yeah. So then it's this song. What do you think about it? Oh, kind of like it. All right. it. doesn't sound like Kiss. It's okay. <laughs> it's, I like don't... how Love Gun, I
1: like how Paul uses Love Gun as a metaphor for his uh, penis. It's really in-depth.
0: You can't really dive that much deeper, maybe. <laughs> you <laughs> maybe wouldn't not. want to.
1: Oh. <laughs> anyway, well, l- listen, you said that I never provide statistics, or rarely provide statistics. Well, here's, uh, here's another rarity then. Okay. I have tallied up all of the downloads that we have received in 2016. Let's hear it. Pretty amazing. 78,462 downloads in 2016. Wow. And that's at and the probably, time not of all, this... That's at the time of this recording. So um, obviously not all of those are are uh, individual downloads. There are a lot of repeat customers, and that's seventy-eight thousand. But still, seventy-eight thousand, almost almost eighty thousand downloads in two thousand sixteen. I'm not sure how that compares to the other years, but I would imagine pretty well. So thank you to everyone for listening. Glad that you uh, find this <laughs> this little show useful.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome. I never really think of numbers and, and downloads. And usually in terms of, of how we do an audience, I think of the people that we talk with on the Facebook page. I think uh, some of the people we engage with there probably download it. And maybe some people on other pages who for some reason don't want to join our Facebook page. Like it's like I've got a fraction of the membership of some of the other ones. And I think, yeah. oh, maybe that means they don't really like it or don't want it. But clearly they do, because if only the people on our group download it, we would never have 78,000 downloads.
1: I know. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Uh, amazing. I'm hoping we can push 80,000 perhaps with, uh, you know, we, we pushed one out yesterday, and then we have the Yuletide, so who knows? 80,000 no. might be a possibility.
1: It's very possible.
0: And maybe that possible. would be a record. I'll, I'll ask you to find out and find out if this is our best year. I know you appreciated that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It took me 15 minutes to add up with all these numbers. Um, But yes, I will uh, will ask John. He could probably do it quicker than me.
0: If you want to delegate, that's your prerogative.
1: I'm going to sublet. Yeah. Nice.
0: One new thing this year is... uh, favorite speakpipe. I asked people to nominate other listeners and their speakpipes uh, for which one was the most memorable one in this year and we had uh, some answers uh, not as many as uh, a lot of them because when you ask at the end of the year it's oh well who uh, who were the speakpipers I start thinking back and it's hard but uh, there's a couple of memorable mentions and one very clear winner in terms of people nominating so I'll I'll do the others in one fell swoop pretty quickly. Uh, A couple of people appreciated uh, the one from Lance Egan in episode uh, 54, The Buffalo Skinners Part 1, and his story about ditching his students and driving five hours to to San Jose to see them live. Uh, So that was one story that I think people appreciated, resonated. It was pretty (laughs) funny. We had a couple mentions for... Andrew Breadwood, <laughs> yeah. uh, in episode 55, the second part of the Buffalo Skinners. And uh, as Andy Ingster says, fuck me if... Really, Andy, this is a family show. Uh, fuck me if that wasn't really Billy Connolly calling up. <laughs> uh, saying stuff like, Buffalo Skinner should have his own fireproof box to stop it from setting fire to other CDs. Still makes me <laughs> smile. That was great. And uh, Abner Devereaux as well saying, the Scottish Highlands, Andrew Bradwood and uh, I could listen to that accent for hours which uh, is nice but that means it, it doesn't matter what you say just just say something and I'll I'll be happy which <laughs> <laughs> right we have a couple of mentions for Mark Donvillos which uh, I was happy to see in episode 56 mm. uh, because he was telling a story there uh, which uh, I'll let um, Steve Coulter summarize it Mark Dunvell was talking about playing the Alone single and it's b-sides for his university mates who liked it before knowing who it was and he didn't have to convince them why they should like it Klaus (laughs) Tappert said I had a similar experience with my love for BC meeting with total incomprehension among my circle of friends and they being positively shocked by how this album sounded like big country not that that led to a better appreciation of the earlier stuff, incompetent bastards the lot of them, so there you go like that for your friends. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, we did have some for the Australian episodes. Effie's got a couple of mentions. Uh, Steve Coulter says is about seeing Big Country for the first time after waiting 32 years to see them and meeting Andy for the first time as well. Mm. And Felicity added, uh, "Speak pipes from Effie, Sandra, and John as they were all first-timers, and I liked hearing their perspectives on the Australian tour." And we can include uh, Felicity. She's too shy to include herself. I think that was just nice to hear from everybody uh, involved in in that tour. And uh, speaking about Felicity, I'll I'll read one that touched me from from Andy on the first piece in our time. And he says, Felicity from Melbourne. She's my best female friend, so I'm slightly biased, but I know the amount of courage she would have to muster to contribute a speakpipe. The fact... Her fandom has rocketed this year with hearing so many new songs. is brilliant. But I was so proud of her that she felt strongly enough about peace in her time to contribute to the show. She's a massive fan of the podcast. She listened to every one of them at least twice. And she's done it all since starting in February. And that's uh, a good speak by for a lot of reasons because it highlights the fact that there might be a threshold involved in, in throwing yourself out there and, and recording something like this. And we sit there and we talk and we hardly think about it because it's just nonsense to us but uh for people to uh, sort of muster up the courage to do a speak pipe is something that i and i know tom does too we, we appreciate it so much and um uh, thank you andy for for giving your friends such a touching endorsement really so that uh, that's one i appreciated
1: yeah that's wonderful thank you felicity
0: this takes us to the very clear winner, the one that people appreciated. And this is uh, all the more incredible because this is a very recent episode. It was one that we released this week. It's the third part of the Peace in Our Time Deep Dive, released four days ago, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. And that is our friend Arlin Bertels, who uh, recorded something that was put in the very front of episode 63. And uh, mm. <laughs> that was him as... Uh, as Craig Clark said, uh, Arlen was talking as if he was a record company executive in America. Funny. And Lee Waterton said, Arlen, you're a god amongst men. And the Inkster, <laughs> Arlen's one for peace in our time. Uh, and he also asked, is this the first time a speak pipe has opened an episode? I can say that this is the second time. The first time was Mark Cole in episode 27 for a wide long face episode. Oh, interesting. Uh, Kenny Henderson says, the late entry from Arlen on episode 63 probably an accurate account of that initial Peace in Our Time meeting. (laughs) Steve Coulter says, Arlen calling Mark, Marky B. And I would walk 500 miles had me losing my shit. (laughs)
2: That's Uh, great.
0: Yeah. John Lewis, Arlen's fantasy on how the band got convinced to change their images for Peace in Our Time. Let's face it. Who amongst us haven't had to explain that Big Country and the Proclaimers are not the same band? And there are more, but I'm going to stop there. Arlen, your intro to that episode has gone down in legend. And uh, there are so many speak pipes, and I was wary of having a category to begin with, because it almost feels like we're going to now crown an elitist speak pipe, but every speak pipe is fantastic. This one clearly struck a note. It had perhaps a disadvantage of being so late that many people had submitted their votes before this episode was even out. It could have gotten even more votes. It had the advantage of being so new that it was very fresh in people's mind. But but however else you put it out, there's no doubt that this one is very well liked.
1: Yeah, that was wonderful. And when I first heard it... um... Yeah, it was your idea. You said you got to hear this one from Arlen. It's a great way to open the show, and I listened to it I was like, "Yep, that's a perfect way to open the show." Yep. So yeah, Arlen in, in his in inim- in inim- in inimitable style, easy for me to say. Um always love his contributions whether he's co-hosting the show or guesting on the show or contributing a great speak pipe. So yeah, thank you Arlen and thank you to everyone. I love listening to the speak pipes from from people. It's it's my opportunity to sit back and listen to what someone else has to say without having any uh preconceptions of what's to come and it's great to hear the different accents from around the world and it's just uh it's just a great way to feel that close-knit bc family feeling yeah (laughs) it really is wonderful
0: so we appreciate the effort definitely feel exactly the same hey
5: this is arlen with my version of how peace in our time came to be the location los angeles 1988 big country has just moved to los angeles after signing a deal with reprise records today's scene the day after signing the deal the boys sitting around the swimming pool drinking mimosas when a fat guy in a white suit smoking a cigar named stubby with uh, well, the man not the cigar walks up to them and says boys welcome to the reprise family i'm here to break america or have america break you trust me i know what i'm doing and i need to give you a makeover both visually and musically from what i hear boys you're here because your last two albums didn't hit it big in the u.s i hear they were big in uh, in europe I hear you even had a number one hit called Look Away that everyone in Europe, with the exception of a couple of Norwegians, seemed to like. But we don't like Norwegians in Los Angeles either, so we're fine with that. Boys, we're here to make hits, shiny, happy pop hits. Pop hits full of keyboards and singing ladies. And you guys are a little weird, but I can work with you. First thing we're going to do is get rid of your producers and hook you up with a real producer. Get rid of that goofball, Lily White. We're here to have you work with Peter Wolf. No, no, a different Peter Wolf. Peter Wolf was the man who put the star in Starship, the Chung and Wang Chung, and the Com in Commodores, and he's here to put the big in big country. So first, your look. If you're going to have hits in America, boys, you need to be on the cover of Tiger Beat Magazine and have posters on the bedroom walls of teenage girls. So first, Bruce Watson, guitarist, you're the Ricky Rocket of this poison. You need to go off and look like Ricky Rocket. Um, Stuart Adamson, I hear you're the lead singer, and that's good because you're the pretty boy. You need to have lead singer hair. You need to look like you came out of New Kids on the Block. Or here's a picture of Nick Kershaw. Why don't you look like him? And fashion-wise, well, I got one word for you, vests. Tony Butler, bass player. You're fine. You stay like that. And Mark, Ber- Mark, B- Mark the drummer, first thing that's got to go is your name. You are now Marky B. And for your look, I got one word, mullet. Mullets are never a fashion mistake. They are eternal and will never go out of style. Next, you're singing. I've never seen you guys play live, but I uh, heard one. They played me your past hit there that, you know, that I will walk 500 miles and I will walk 500 more. Yeah, you guys, you got to stop that. You're already half communist from what I hear. And if the people in Nebraska and Kansas are going to buy your records then they need to not be put off by your singing, because I kind of understand what you say. So, Stuart, I need you to step to the mic, stop shouting "shaw," which I think is some communist code word, and I need you to enunciate the lyrics. And in terms of the demos, I've heard the demos. I can't tell if you want to be the Scott or Springsteen, the Chieftains, the Allman Brothers, or the Fairport Convention, but I'll tell you what. You can keep five of your originals, as long as you put on five new ones, then heave hits. Hits, boys, I need hits. Stick with me, and we'll go places. Or something like
0: that. On that note, we'll probably play what is the last speak pipe of the year. We got a speak pipe from Ayolette in Israel. And uh, she just came back from seeing Big Country for the first time in London. She saw two shows there. And uh, that was quite a trip for a lot of reasons. And this is uh, one of my favorite speak pipes of the year. Uh, amongst many. We have so many great ones and this uh, this is one we'll play for you now.
8: Hello and greetings from a country where they don't know it's Christmas. This is Ayelet Saxton calling from Israel. I'm just back from England where I went especially to see Big Country on two nights in Milton Keynes and in Bury St Edmunds. I had never seen them live before and took a long time to decide I was going. I didn't know if it would be worth it Would I enjoy the gigs, or would I only feel the pain of what is there no more? Until several minutes into the Milton Keynes show, I wasn't sure if I had done the right thing. Had I indeed managed to capture the shadow of an old dream, or had I spent all this money, overcome trepidation, travelled so far to a foreign land where I can't drive and can hardly get food, because I keep kosher, just to be disappointed and feel sad and stupid? As the show progressed, I realized that, yes, I had done the right thing. I was seeing a bunch of guys who were not expecting to grow flowers in the desert, but they could live, and breathe, and see the sun in wintertime. In the true spirit of Stuart Adamson, they were rowing with the oars they have got. And they were doing it fantastically well. The next day, I went to Bury St Edmunds for the next gig. Here I was standing right up near the stage, and seeing the boys for the first time from literally arm's length. I was standing right in front of Mark, and from that position, the gap left in the centre of the stage was very noticeable. So were the gaps left in the music, where the shahs used to be, or the guitar solos. I found that a very respectful way of marking Stuart's absence while celebrating his music. For me, those gigs were a true celebration. Finally, singing big country songs at the top of my voice with the band and the fans. As the crowd sang Oh Lord, where did the feeling go? Two, three, four. I thought I felt Stuart's spirit right there filling the entire house. My little journey in pursuit of my youth culminated in the best possible way when I was taken by tour manager Golden Smith to meet the band after the show. Many thanks to Simon Wooten for the for his help in this, by the way. I must say I was quite overwhelmed, and forgot to ask Bruce to sign his set list I had got earlier after the show, but I did get Mark's autograph on the lyric sheet of Roger Daltrey's Under a Raging Moon album, which had actually been the first place where I'd seen Mark's name. I also told him that I really liked Eggplant, which I do, so I have it you. Oh yeah... I did succeed in capturing that shadow of a dream. Going on that journey was an achievement for me on many levels. I want to thank you, Tom and Svein, as well as other members of Big Country Facebook groups and the Inkster, Simon Wooten, among others. It was thanks to your enthusiasm that I decided to overcome preconceptions and go and see for myself. But I would never have done this if not for the energy and drive infused into me by the spirit of Stuart Adamson. Wishing you all a merry Christmas and a happy new year. May your dreams always stay with you, and hopefully, even be fulfilled.
1: Yeah, that that really touches me so much. It's so great to hear Ilet uh, say all of those things so passionately, and and um, you know to to think that that was the first time she saw them. She traveled all that time, had all those interest uh, interesting issues as to why she shouldn't go and she did and she had a great time and has reconnected with the band in this way. And, and, um, yeah, it's just great. It's, it's very, it's very fulfilling from our end to have anything whatsoever to do with someone rediscovering that kind of, a uh, important love for a band like that. And, um, you know, that just makes it feel like what we do is so worthwhile. And as far as the time spent on these things and, It's nice to know that uh, it leads to to things like that. So thank you so much, Ayelet, for sharing that. That that was really, really beautiful and touching. It meant a lot to me.
0: All right. This takes us into the final part of the show. Uh, I asked people to submit questions. And, oh, my gosh, you won't believe how many questions. The status now is... I have four pages of questions for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> there's no way. I mean, the podcast is already pushing the envelope of, of longest episode ever here. So I think we there's no way we can go through all of these. But uh, I'm thinking perhaps uh, when we pick up again in the new year, and that probably won't be immediately. There will probably be a little bit of a break, certainly January, maybe even February. Uh, but if we do something again quickly, that will be a lighter episode. Perhaps uh, another egg timer question episode. So a lot of this can be used there. And I think at this point, that's probably a, a better use of our time. I think so too. But we can do a little bit. So to close out the show, a couple of questions. And uh, since this is Christmas and we can't use those questions in the, early in the next year, or it wouldn't quite be right, we'll do the Christmas related ones. So uh, Craig Morgan... Is asking what are our favorite Christmas songs
1: of all time?
0: There's no further context to the question, so I would assume anything goes.
1: Okay. Um. Wow. I, I like a lot of this. I love a lot of the old timey carols. Uh, Good King Wenceslas is a favorite. Um, Oh Holy Night. I love that song. And uh, as far as like more contemporary, contemporary ones father christmas by the kinks is a big favorite it's hard to believe i'm saying that's contemporary but you know what i mean
0: yeah 1977
1: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right um i don't know I, I like all i like christmas music in general it's uh l- oh well
0: actually i think
1: my favorite of all time has to be little drummer boy i've always loved little drummer boy something about that song since i was a little kid always did it for me and i right. I, I love that ver i love that song and it's been covered many times by different people <laughs> my favorite christmas song little drummer boy
0: nice yeah i don't know what to say it's uh i like um but christmas songs kind of belong to christmas and it's part of it but uh i never sort of think of them in terms of favorite all i know is that uh, when i go home we always go home to my parents and the family will sing songs while we walk around the christmas tree and there are two people in the family who knows all the words and that's me and my mom and the rest <laughs> are just kind of rah, 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 through the songs. And if there's a hallelujah, they all chime in wholeheartedly on that. So it's kind of a funny thing. <laughs> so I, I like a lot of them. Uh, some of them uh, that mean a lot to me would be Norwegian songs that nobody out there knows. There's a song mm-hmm. called Juleklokker over Jura, which has some fun memories from, uh, from my childhood and going to, going to church as part of the end of school year when I was a tiny boy. And uh, that is a song that hasn't been sung a lot of other places. So when when I rarely hear it, which I don't hear it that much, that, that kind of takes me back. So it, there's a lot of memories attached to songs that I appreciate. That's but, great. Um,
1: Does that title translate into ravenous fat man in red is approaching? <laughs> ravenous fat man in red is approaching. That's what, it, that's what that translates to. Yeah.
0: I think that's the title of your next Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it could be. You need to follow up the Christmas hog. It translates into really Christmas bells over the earth or something like that. Ah, all right.
2: over jorda, ring no högt från ring Dele orda, fred frå Gud i alla sin. Ring för hela folkuppm. Ring och sj.
0: I wouldn't say I I listen to a lot of contemporary stuff too I think uh, it seems like almost every band has a Christmas album of of some uh, on some level even Manowar made a fantastic version of Silent Night (laughs) which is uh, complete with the choir and over the top pompousness that actually fits Christmas songs to a T nice (laughs) And then you even have bands like Twisted Sister releasing Christmas albums, which I don't know. It <laughs> some of them gets to be too much, but I like uh, the Christmas album by Steel Ice Band. They made an album called Winter, which is fantastic. Um, I like Amy Mann's Christmas album. That's that's a good one. Um, but as far as songs, it's it's a tough question. I think we need to do a deep dive on that one.
1: Mm, no.
0: We have a question. Andy Inkster, have you ever regifted a present at Christmas? And what was it?
1: I'm sure I have. Probably something like a uh, uh, a candle regifted to a coworker of of whom I cared little of about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I've I've, gift, I've regifted a gift certificate before. I think someone gave me a gift certificate to or a gift card to some place, and I had to give a gift to someone quickly, and I just said. Oh, I'll just reuse this.
0: Yeah, I I never regift anything. I use it all <laughs> while thinking specifically <laughs> of the person who gave it to me, filled with you
1: gratitude. A- you assimilate it, yes, into your Borg-like structure.
0: And then I uh, later, if I deem that someone else might need it more than me, then of course, out of the goodness of my heart, I might pass it on to them. But that's not regifting. That <laughs> is uh, a different thing entirely. No, I can't think of anything. I know th- there's the odd secret Santa stuff going on here and there where people just buy a cheapy thing and wrap it in and give, give it to someone. And one thing that always is the case is not just for me, but my wife especially. We've bought things that we brought in that this is actually pretty nice. And then she came home with a bookmark or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like too, too crap to even re-gift. So it's, right. more, it's more on that level. All right, Uh, we'll do a last one. Kenny Henderson, what else have you been listening to this year?
2: Oh,
1: um, gosh, I know there's something here. My brain is dead. (laughs) (laughs) It really is completely dead. Um, What have I been? What have I been listening to this year? Well, interesting that you say that, Kenny Henderson. The man who ranked my last album, We Were Here, on his high on his year in review list last year. I've actually been listening to more of my own music as I create a new EP. Uh, I'm going the EP route this year. Uh, I'm not going to do an entire CD, but um, I've got one song that I've already put out there. It's called Rail. sugar plum fairy if you can believe that (laughs) so i've been listening to a lot of my own stuff as far as other people um gosh i don't know (laughs) i can't think of anything um tragically hip is a band that i sort of discovered recently i'm enjoying a lot of their stuff um a lot of their music Very big in Canada. Not nearly as big anywhere else, but very interesting band. Um, And I guess there's really not a whole lot new that I've picked up over the last year. Um, So I guess going back to the old favorites when I'm not working on my own stuff. Listening to lots of big country in preparation for all these damn deep dives.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. This gave me a little bit of time to think while you were struggling with your own thoughts, so that that helps, actually. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> you could have said you go first, like <laughs> I do frequently, uh, as I'm a polite man. But uh, uh, there's a number of things that I have listened to. It's interesting, one thing that uh, if you listen to Spotify, if you're a Spotify user, they send you statistics and uh, an overview of what you listened to the last year which they've done every year, and according to them, uh, I've listened, apparently, a lot to Shocking Blue, Uriah Heep, Tarot, Kiss, and uh, stuff like that this year. I don't know if I believe that. But uh, <laughs> as far as new I album, uh, one band I discovered this year is Person. They're a British band that mixes sort of a bit of classic rock and psychedelia into really nice rock grooves, and uh Rosalie who fronts the band is a is a crumpet A very a very classic look, almost going back to silent movie days with her hair and her makeup and stuff. It's very uh, a very image conscious band that plays really nice cool rock music.
4: Hmm.
0: I uh, like I like the new Deep Valley album. The my chicks from California they came back this year with their second album. Lots of nice attitude and snare and and good songs. Uh, they kind of have the white stripes thing with the ah uh, yes. The, it's just the two of them: with the drums and the the guitar vocal. <laughs> Cool. So they, I like them a lot. Um, I think the new Rolling Stones album is pretty slamming. Finally, they're playing blues again. It sounds almost like an updated version of, of the music they played in the 60s. I really like that.
1: Oh, that's good. And, I haven't checked that out yet.
0: Only the Stones sound like the Stones, so, so that's a nice one. And I like the new Steel Ice band. It released a fantastic album called Dodgy Bastards. <laughs> which, it, it was so fun to hear them go on radio To promote that album And uh, the host couldn't say bastard He couldn't make himself say it And then you have Madeline Pryor in the band Who would jump in I'm here with Steel Ice band They released a new album Which title I can't say And then she says It's called Dodgy Bastards <laughs> 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 So that entire interview was like that And they eventually reached a compromise That the hosts couldn't say it But the band could So, so they would chime in It was so funny
2: Flowers that weep in the valley The harp, the lute, the fife The flute and the cymbal Sweet goes the treble violin Flowers that weep in the valley The harp, the lute, the fife The flute and the cymbal Sweet goes the treble violin I was the creep in the
0: No, I listen to a lot of the same stuff too It's uh, some something old something new like, like always I spent a year, I listened a lot to Sister Sin, still mourning their breakup of end of last year and I listened a lot to another band that uh, sort of splintered this year which was very sad for me it's uh, a Norwegian band called Katzenjammer, who are all now doing solo projects through 2016, but I have a hope that they will get back together again after a while, so we'll see.
1: Cool. Oh, one other band that I did discover this year, I have to mention the Joy Formidable, a band that I discovered has um, uh, been around for a few years, but very heavy well, kind of heavy and anthemic type of music. There are a little bit of big country type sounds in there, but it's more, it's a female fronted band, female guitar player, three piece, and uh, it's good stuff. alternative anthemic and uh very very much lives up to their name the joy formidable which i think is a great name for a band so uh check them out
0: so what big country album have you played most in 2016
1: <sighs> probably peace in our time <laughs> <laughs> represents i've had that in on in my car on a continuous loop
0: it's kind of a so. wrong time to to ask that question because we're so entrenched in the peace in our time era and the last few months have just been leading up to the deep dive yeah it's that would be the say. one
1: though that would be the one
0: so you wouldn't put yourself back in the first half of the year when it was similar for the buffalo skinners
1: yeah i mean you know when we did buffalo skinners i was listening to that a lot but i think i listened to the peace in our time discs more because there's there there's a lot more material to listen to from that period yeah so
0: okay cool We have already heard from Ayelet once in this episode, and now we're going to hear from her again. She had a presentation about Stuart Adamson on the 19th of December this month, or just earlier this week as I speak, where she was in a music club, talk about his life, play clips from his music, show videos, and just do a talk, which was awesome. And uh, she's been posting about that on her Facebook page. And I asked her if she would be willing to record a speak pipe for us so we could all hear about it here. And thankfully, she agreed. So here for the second time in this podcast, Ayelet, the floor is yours.
8: Hi, this is Ayelet Saxton from Israel. Here's a little report about the Stuart Adamson talk I gave in Tel Aviv last night. If you're following the podcast's Facebook page, then some of you were probably aware of it. Some of you have actually helped me with tips and info, and Swine even took the trouble to go over my first draft and send back very, very comprehensive and useful comments. Thank you all. Setting aside the poor turnout, which was to be expected, since not many people would go out on a stormy night to hear about the most underrated musician in rock and roll from a completely unknown speaker, well, setting that aside, it went really well. I had an hour and a half, which is ridiculous, not just by the standards of this podcast, but it had to do, just had to do. It felt great to play those songs, mostly live versions, on a big screen through an excellent sound system and just see all those eyes riveted to the man I love so much. I got excellent feedback from those who did attend. Most of them came up to me at the end. Some said or wrote afterwards that they had always known the name Big Country and even most of the songs I played but never connected the name and the music, or never knew about this kid's big country connection. Hardly anyone knew Stuart's name. I was particularly pleased when one participant, who is a well-respected music show host, came up to say he was moved by it and learned from it. The event's organiser, or uh, host rather, posted afterwards on his own page, saying that out of some 300 lecture they've had lectures they've had so far, this was the second time he actually shed tears. This post elicited comments from a few music media celebrities asking to know more. Another person wrote that after attending the talk, he realized that it's time for a more serious research into big country on his part. So all in all, I'm rather pleased. I've also learned that the talk was recorded and will be uploaded at some future point, probably in the form of a podcast. So when that happens, I'll let you know. In the meantime, all the best and cheers everyone and thanks for your support.
0: I think that wraps up the outside I think um, my timer for this Skype thing has passed three hours, and that's just the current recording because we had a pre-recording, too.
1: Oh, it's, it's been three and a half at least.
0: Yeah. So I don't think we can keep adding to this. I think we need to end this monstrosity. Otherwise, it, it will be <laughs> into the new year before it's edited.
1: Yes, let's, let's finish.
0: Yeah. Let's finish. My brain
1: can take no more.
0: <laughs> I'm feeling pretty food. fried.
1: <laughs> I need food. Yeah, it's dinner time Damn for you. me. It's
0: breakfast time for you.
1: This is lunchtime now, freaking yeah. bastard.
0: Can't blame me, can you?
1: Yeah, completely. This is, this is your baby.
0: <laughs> Can't make it on my own. That's an image <laughs> for you. And on that note, on that very note, we, we sign off for 2016. It's been a ride, that's all I can say. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's been fun. I think... Uh, once Christmas hits and everything has been pushed out, all the episodes are done. Then perhaps we can feel proud about this. For now, it's just overwhelming. So please enjoy what we do.
1: Yes, as you sit by the fire or drive around town listening to this, just uh, you know, in your in your off moments of holiday cheer,
0: listening, Grand Canaria on holiday.
1: Yeah, just remember us, brain dead imbeciles, totally talked out about big country for a long time to come and yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> once you wrap up this thing we're both going back to listen to peace in our time again aren't we? <laughs> i'll go back to eggplant why not
1: hey me a good point maybe i maybe i've judged that unfairly over the years
0: evidently there's a longer version plus mark's yeah. original idea was bastardized so he's probably blaming it on some people
1: petition number three okay
0: we're rambling I'm out of here.
1: <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank yeah. you so much for the year, and uh, we'll see you next year. Who knows when? Who but Barry, <laughs> Barry, don't ask us any more questions. Thank you.
0: <laughs> it will come when it comes. All right. Merry Christmas, Tom.
1: Merry Christmas, and Thank
4: you.
0: Enjoy the holiday break, and uh, thank you for all the episodes we did. It's... it's uh, It's usually fun it's the editing that is a bitch but it's all worth it when it comes together
1: yes it is it definitely is i think we can we can feel proud of the
0: the output we've had yeah all right maybe it's a good thing that people don't get to rank the yuletides
1: yeah i can't imagine what kind (laughs) of fool would try to do that
0: no the insanity all right i'm out of here how about you (laughs)
1: that's good
0: All right. I'm out of here. How about you? <laughs> That's good. All right. Good, good Lord. Lord. I've never been so exhausted. It's insane.
1: It's insane. Three and a half hours. <laughs> I don't know what you're with this.
2: <laughs> oh, man.
6: Uh,
0: enjoy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I would like to suggest Good King Wenceslas. Uh,
0: what? What's that?
1: <laughs> I would like to suggest Good King Wenceslas as the background music.
0: Good old King Christmas carol. Wenceslas? I, don't, King know
1: Wenceslas. That. Oh, I don't know Good
0: King Wenceslas. Oh, I don't know that. Good King
1: Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen.
0: Oh, that was beautiful. Brightly
1: shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel. You don't know that one?
0: I'll uh, take that voice, put it in the <laughs> loop, and ha- have that in the background. Yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic. It wouldn't be distracting at all. <laughs> okay. But
1: that's probably the longest one. <laughs> the longest episode we <laughs> would talk about, Buffalo Skinners. Sorry, I was muted there. Let me get us back on track. Um. Yeah, so that is... That's, uh... Anyway, hold on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How did I end this? Silent but deadly as always. And this is the first time I didn't have my notes completely ready, so I'll... That happens all the time. All the time. What are notes? Something that some of us use to to prepare and be ready for this thing so that others don't have to.
1: Ah. Also, um... What was I going to say? Uh, it slipped my mind. Never mind.
0: <laughs> That's the end of that. It's lost in the sand. How how should how much longer do you think we should go? Well, let's see. What is it? Eleven thirty. Good lord!
1: I haven't even eaten breakfast yet.
0: We <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have uh, Kenny Henderson uh, bringing up again uh, your pronunciation of of Bros That's <laughs> a think that that's what he took away from the peace in our time. <laughs>
4: I've never
1: heard of, of them before. Bros, I guess uh, the, is, how the, is how that name is pronounced. Which doesn't make sense for an American because we have the word bro is B-R-O and it's an off-use word by imbeciles. <laughs> <All> right,
0: bros. <laughs> Come on bro. It's so funny We're because uh, we, we subscribe to uh, or Jen subscribes to the Classic Pop Magazine and we got the latest issue this week and bros is the cover artist of that issue (laughs) oh really wow so so that made me think of you you will always be the the bros guy now
1: (laughs) so they're still around or he or
0: she or is it is it a duo it's a duo or it was a trio but uh, two of them are actually brothers Ah. which which is why they have that name (laughs)
4: okay yeah
1: so bros
0: yeah and uh Yes, they they um I wouldn't say they have are still around. I would say they are back because they were gone for the longest time, but I don't really follow them, but I know that they they were hugely popular and then they bombed sort of. They were one of those like uh overnight sensations and after a while they were gone. But now they're sort of back and they're old enough that they perhaps are seen as industry veterans. But I haven't <laughs> followed them, and this is exhausting. my clearly are
1: mentioned on the po- clearly are mentioned on the podcast. Yes, rebirth uh, to their career.
0: Yeah, they can they can thank us for that, or people can blame us, depending on your view. Blame blame Tom's pronunciation because that's what <laughs> is making us talk about them now. So are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> take that son of a bitch wrap it sideways and stick it up your candy, whatever. <laughs> Was that a Norwegian rock? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> the rock and roll. Svine. Tom. <laughs> I was on mute, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I was listening. My kids just barged in my room here. They're having some issue.
0: Um, say hi real quick, but we got we to... Gotta we gotta go hello hello there hello hi go ahead say something back
4: hi
0: (laughs) say something more creative than hi
4: how you doing
0: I'm very good how are you what are you going to do today I don't know (laughs) (laughs) that sounds really exciting anything's possible right
4: Yes.
1: They're fighting over a PlayStation controller. You guys have to figure it out. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, we got okay. we got to wrap this up because it's been 3 hours. <laughs> I've got kids coming for <laughs> barbarians are at the gate. Tom is more often wrong than spine